This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that hasn't travelled for two days to get to Baku, and is actually pissed off that it hasn't. Uh, in spite of UEFA and Chelsea's best efforts to prevent them, the Chelsea faithful are heading to Baku in Azerbaijan in search of glory and, well, beer. Uh, to all of you who have made the trip out there, bravo. That is a sterling effort, considering the huge expense and travel difficulties UEFA, you are a disgrace for holding a final in such an inaccessible place. And Chelsea Football Club, you are not much better for doing absolutely nothing to support the supporters trying to get there. If anyone deserves to be rewarded with a European trophy, it is the intrepid group of Chelsea supporters who are actually in Baku and who will be hopefully lucky enough to witness bringing the trophy home. But can Chelsea secure their sixth European trophy? Well... They've been favourites since the start of the competition. But we've all been here before, and Arsenal gave us a shoeing a few months ago and are capable of doing it again. One thing is for sure, both teams hate playing away, if recent form is to be believed. So Wednesday night may well be a long and tight affair. The Chelsea Fancast number 465, The Baku Beyond. I'll let you... Clever. Yes, thank you, Jonathan. I, I think I actually stole that from Pablo, if the truth is to be told, but... You know, if it's good, steal it. In my book, you know, apart, yeah. a, apart from uh, apart from Jonathan Kidd uh, scripts that are on YouTube, never nick those. Am I right, Jonathan? I yeah, know they can if they like. I don't mind as long as they give me a credit. Yeah, but they didn't, did they? No, no, no. Uh, Jonathan, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Chidge. Good, good. Had a a, a very busy uh, busy week. Been good, thank you. Been um, yeah, been working hard. Yeah, but I've been. Uh, been out and about, been uh, up and down, ever and ever, ducking and diving, wheeling and dealing, as I do, you know, yeah. Lovely, right. lovely. It was really nice to see you on Friday. It seems like weeks ago, but it was only a few days ago, but lovely to see you. Had fun on the show Friday. Enjoyed that Very one. Big. 
Very good. Yeah, good show Friday. Yeah, well was, done. It was. Well done, you. Well, it'll be good tonight. I, I have no uh, fear about that. Uh, and, of course, I know why. Uh, we've got two excellent people. We've got one of our favourite, favourite, favourite guests, my old neighbour in Gate 17, Mr. Joe Tweedy. Evening, Chich. Lovely to hear your dulcet tones, Joe. Um, how are you feeling since the end of the season, per se? I mean, I know we've got one more match, but you know what I mean. It's been a, it's been a long season, I think. Yeah. And I think social media has, has played its part in that as well. But yeah, glad, glad that it's sort of come to a close. But no doubt by, uh, by next weekend, we'll be wanting the uh, Premier League to return. So yeah. We will be definitely wanting it to return, unless, of course, the worst thing imaginable happens next Saturday, at which point I will be emigrating to Iceland. But let's not talk about that in the hope that it may never happen. Um, Always great to have Joe in the house. Now, uh, our last guest is somebody that uh, the hundreds of thousands of people in Mixler will know very, very well, because he's usually very loyally and stoically in there among you. Uh, usually writing some pretty sensible stuff. And talking of writing, uh, this lovely young man has been writing uh, prolifically for the Chelsea fancast for at least two years. And uh, I, for one, uh, enjoy his work, but I'm also very, very grateful because, of course, you know, I'm rubbish at putting anything up there myself. So uh, we're giving, we we were saying before we went on air, uh, this is very much like life imitating art, imitating life, or is it the other way around? Uh, you know, when Chelsea get to their last game of the season, they usually, you know, chuck on a few promising youngsters, uh, you know, because they can. Well, we're doing much the same because we're giving a debut to the very, very lovely Dean Mears. But I can say one thing for sure. He's going to get more than two minutes, which is a good thing. Dean, how lovely to have you on the show. Good evening. Uh, pleasure to be out of Mixer and onto the microphone now. Yeah, there well, we dreams go. Dreams do come true. Dreams do come true, Dean. You nailed it. Completely there. Right. Now, uh, without much uh, uh, further ado, uh, on the show tonight, we ask, having heard his indignant press conference last week and heard the rumours about Juventus this week, is Sarri in or is Sarri out? And if he is out, is Frank Lampard really a viable alternative? We shall see. In part two, we look ahead to the Europa League Cup final against Arsenal. There's a final tomorrow. Who knew? Uh, will Chelsea's injury crisis cost us? What will the likely starting eleven be? Will it be the last hurrah for Eden Hazard? Will Jorginho be pivotal? How do we see it all going? And just how important is winning the Europa Cup for Chelsea? And in part three, we discuss Petr Cech being rumoured to become sporting director at Chelsea. What does that all mean? And are Chelsea banned from making transfers or not? What's happening with the appeal to Cass? And with Derby losing to Villa in the championship playoff, what now for Chelsea's youth stars? And as ever, in part four, we've got loads of your emails to read out. And we do. We've got loads this week. And they're all absolute humdingers. So well done for the people sending them in. Now, don't forget, of course, you can listen to the show live Every Monday, apart from when it's a Tuesday, like tonight, at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea-Fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And, of course, you can also tweet at Chelsea Fancast during the show to tell us what you think about the games and anything else on Chelsea. And I have to say that the ranks have slowly swelled in Mixler tonight. Um, you know, I, I, I do tell you that we're doing these shows on a Tuesday when it's a bank holiday Monday. I don't know. I mean, what more can one do? Uh, but uh, without being too rude, because, uh, you know, I'm not a rude kind of guy, really. I mean, I might have a reputation for being a bit rude, but I'm not really rude. Uh, but I can say that we've got the lovely Benjito, Claire McConnell, the lovely Claire McConnell, who we all adore, Swedish Ivanovic, uh, Loco Coco Pops, like that name, 
That's a new one on me. I like that. I'm going to say that again. It was so much fun. Loco Coco Pops. Zola Scores. Jillian Monyaki's in the house. Drink Vodka Freddy. One of my favourite, favourite visitors to the bridge. Paul 360M. Jonathan. Jonathan Perez is in the house. Jonathan. Whoop, 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 whoop. There we go. Good old mate of Jonathan's. John G. Kev M. Andre Letitia. Kurt. Toolhouse. Brian James, Vinod's in the house. So there we go. We've got some of the old stalwarts. Where, as, as Delia Smith said once uh, during a match, having had a few shandies, where are you? There we go. Where are you indeed? The usual lot who are in here. It's not a night off. The Chelsea fancast is here. I'm not well and I'm here. What's your bloody excuse? Right. In a minute, we'll be talking football. Right, uh, goodness gracious me! I mean, uh, you know, obviously, I'm, this is the uh, I'm referring really here to the to the, the the kind of open day press conference that was held last week um, at Chelsea. Of course, it's now been superseded by the pre-match uh, press conference, which is equally uh, bizarre. But then again, you see, I, I say bizarre. I mean, I'll be very honest with you, people out there. And I mean, it, I know we've got Dean. Dean's in the house tonight, and I know he's he's uh, less, uh, you know. I don't know what the word is, really. He's more positive about Sarri than perhaps some of us are. But, you know, one of the things I really do like about Sarri is the fact that he's just unbelievably honest uh, to the to the point of almost being sociopathic, I think. I mean, he just says exactly what he means. He doesn't do bullshit. He doesn't do small talk. He doesn't do mind games, you know, or he doesn't do obfuscation. If, if something's on his mind, he says it. And... Uh, a bit of a naughty question, uh, you know, seemed to uh, instigate a whole kind of chain reaction of events last week. But they, uh, I, I don't even know who it was. It was probably Moose, wasn't it, from Talk Sports? The kind of question he would ask. But uh, basically, I think the question that was asked was, well, if you lose the game to Arsenal next Wednesday, will you get the sack or something along those lines? And I think quite reasonably, Sarri hit back and said, well, actually, you know, I, I, I'm not very happy if, if you're being judged, you know, if you're judging me on one game or the club do, you should judge me on the whole season, uh, which I think is absolutely fair. Um, and actually, if you're going to judge me, I'll just bugger off, basically. I mean, I, I know that I'm, 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 you know, putting words in his mouth, but loosely, that's kind of what he meant. Um, of course, since then, what's happened is that a whole load of rumours have kicked off uh, that he, he he's off to Juventus. Apparently, he's met Juventus. They've agreed a deal. Chelsea, of course, as you would expect, are saying no, no, no. We don't want to sack him. He still doesn't. So, as ever at Chelsea, it's all it's all the same. You know, every week there seems to be some crisis or rumor. Does you nothing, but I tell you what, it's never dull. That's for sure. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you, Jonathan, as I often do. I mean, do you think this was fair or unfair on Sarri? Um- Unbelievably unfair. Yes, I agree. Coming up to a to a, a European Cup final, the poor man. A bit, but also as I as I ponged on about it on Friday, it it's all rumor upon rumor upon rumor. It's as if somebody set up a an idea for this and then 
and whether they tweeted it or just it vaguely officially came out of uh, of Italy somewhere unofficially and then it was taken as gospel and it's been it's been debated non-stop and and you think he's he's attempting to win the the cup with the team he's not going to pay any attention to this do you honestly think that he's had a surreptitious meet with with somebody from Juventus he could have had a phone call possibly but I mean I mean all right is he hedging his bets just in case he there is the possibility he may be sacked or you know I'm inclined to to think it's just a complete load of poo and it's all made up and it's the same way that that poor old Frank has slightly gone down in people's estimation because of yesterday so he's no longer today being touted as the replacement what a surprise um because how dare he he didn't uh, he didn't put all before him and and beat villa and me i'm surprised <coughs> we haven't seen any any uh, jt for manager because villa got through i thought that he's he's slipped under the radar and the same way with the the whole peter check thing i'm still convinced that that's why would you why would you set that up when you're about to be the goalkeeper in the arsenal in the game for arsenal in the european in, in the Europe, in the Europa League, why would you? Why would you do that? Why would you admit it? Why would you say yes? I've had a meeting, or even slip that out? I just think this is this. We're in the world of fantasy here, and it is desperately unfair to Sarri. Chidge, what did he actually say today? Then in the uh, in the press conference. Well, what's got everybody riled up today is, um, <laughs> I mean, but you see, this this absolutely absolutely emphasises my point. I mean, I. You know, I've gone so far as to say that I think, I think, uh, and I don't mean this as a slur. I really don't. But I think he might be a little bit on the spectrum, which is not necessarily a bad thing, because he just says what what's on his mind, and I I personally love that. I really do. If there's one thing I like about Sarri, I, he just says what's on his mind. He doesn't give a shit, and I really quite like that. I admire that because I can't possibly, I can't do that. Did he say uh, that today? Then has he said something today? No, no. What he said was that he, he you know, they asked him about is this is this the biggest uh, game of your managerial career, and uh, he said no, no, not at all. Uh, I've had Serie B games that are, that have been bigger. <laughs> it's just you can't say that, mate. It's a European <laughs> final. So it's just, it's just, they, a B game. I, I know, but they just they just you know they they tee him up and off he goes, and I, I just think. It's brilliant. So that's wound them all up, you know. And he was apparently, apparently, he said uh, about Hazard. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I can't remember exactly what he said, but the bones of it were uh, that Sarah, you know, Hazard's great, uh, basically great in matches, but he's not so great in uh, training because he gets bored and it's all too easy for him. So, but you know, he. But as I said, he calls it as he sees it, and I quite like that. Um, Dean, I mean, I know, I know that you're, uh, you know, you've been very kind to Sarri this year, and you've really backed him. To the hill, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that you think that what kicked off last week was was unfair. Um, but but I mean, Jonathan's said this on Friday to me. I mean, Jonathan's convinced this is all fake news. I've got to be honest, Dean. I don't think it is. I think there's something to this about Juventus. But uh, what, what do you think? Um, well, normally there's never um, smoke without fire. I don't know whether it's maybe something that's coming from Sarri's camp. Um, all the talk has been about him being replaced, him being sacked. Um, Sort of to say, actually, I'm a highly respected coach, and top clubs are going to want me. Um, so maybe think about what you're doing before you sack me. Mm. Um, looking at the context of the season, he's not come in like Scolari and AVB with a world-class squad. He's been asked to do something completely different, and to judge him on the game is unfair. Um, it's whether or not you believe that he can progress his team next season or not is the burning question that the board need to answer. 
Mm. I mean, for what it's worth, Dean, I mean, I'd agree with all of that, but for what it's worth, I think that, um, you know, sadly, as with all jobs, actually, it's never just about whether you know you can you can just deliver on the job i think it, it it's it's all about you know lots of other things like cultural fits i mean joe will know this joe's joe's been around the block he's worked in a few places and in pretty harsh environments too i would have thought joe that's true isn't it you know sometimes your face just doesn't fit and i i have a suspicion that that's what's going on with sari here mate yeah i mean i, I don't think that it's it's any real surprise that, that every top italian club that's looking for a manager is being linked with him because you know, I, I don't want to sound like one of these sort of, you know, guys on Twitter, but, you know, did you watch Napoli last season? But his his Napoli side in Italy with that style of play were very good to watch. They were they were a very good side. And, and maybe his his tactics and coaching methods and the way that he goes about things fits culturally in, in Italy. You know, the the way that he structures his, his midfield play, the way that he structures his defence, etc. Suits Italian football down to a T. And it's, it's no surprise that Napoli were incredibly successful I think they've they've dropped twenty points, you know, since he since he left them last season. So I mean, he's obviously he's obviously a good coach in Serie A, but we all know that the Premier League's a, a slightly different kettle of fish when it comes to to physicality, athletic, you know, athletically in terms of how how teams play you know, generally in midfield and tactically, and every team presses and all these sorts of various sort of bits and pieces that we've spoken about across the season. But it, it's no surprise to me that you know Juventus and maybe one you know one of the Milan clubs or whoever is is very interested in him because yeah. You know, sometimes you can uh, you can you can drop a, somebody into a completely different side, different culture, and it doesn't work out for them. Put them in somewhere else. I mean, you look at this uh, was it Dusan Tadic guy who was you know I think he was a pretty good player, okay in the Premier League, but he's you know he's one of the best players in Europe when he goes to to play for Ajax in 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 Holland. So you know it's you know it's horses for courses really. Mm, I, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, one thing I would say is that. Uh, you know, given what I said a minute ago about, you know, I think whilst he has achieved his, you know, objectives and to a degree done done a decent job, done to a degree, um, I, I wonder about whether he's the right fit for Chelsea. And in a sense, Jonathan, I wonder if, you know, it would be best for all concerned if he if he if he does take this rumored uh, job at Juventus. And I know I know you can't stand discussing it because I think you think it's fake news. I I, I do think no, that there's no, something to this. I don't mind discussing it because it's, it's almost going analysis of what he's achieved this year. Um, uh, I think the transfer ban is going to play an enormous role in it. Um, if there is one, we're not even convinced. We don't even know what they're doing. The club are doing at the moment what they're hanging around waiting for for some decision to be made. Um, but I, I, I'm uh, I'm I'm inclined to to believe that he'll be there next year and that he'll he'll do better, um, just because he'll have more time, he'll have understood more. Um, and I think if we say that he's an intelligent man, uh, and and he has made he, he has made to me the club has improved, the players have improved towards the end of the season. Actually, I know we didn't win a great deal of points towards the end, but I felt the Leicester performance was one of the. Uh, was really rather a high point because I thought we were going to be taken to the cleaners by Leicester. And um, I, I thought there was a pattern emerging that if in fact it carries on into the final, we'll win. Um, so uh, I, would, I, I wouldn't I would be too upset if he carried on because um, I, I, I feel he's got a plan that we're not seeing properly, but I think he'll be given more time to implement it if he does, um, if he does have another season. Is that what you asked me? I can't remember what you. Well, no, I, I can't really remember either. I think I, I think what I said was, would it be best for all concerned? And I think if think he went, if, if he went, no, I don't, th- I don't no. think it. 
I don't think it would. I think having set this up, if he's starting to to get players to understand how he's supposed to play, I think Jorginho, the last few performances, has become... Uh, uh, has looked the, the the real deal. I think he's looked the proper article. I think he's going to perform very well tomorrow. Um, so uh, I, I, no, I I think um, I, I I don't quite know where we'd go if we were to get well, someone well, else in, and yeah. I don't think it's going to be Frank. Yeah, I don't well, know what. Well, let's let's park that for one second. Could yeah. I mean, could could yeah. you could you really blame him if he does go, given what's happened this season? Um. No, no. I think he's got a problem with not being able to smoke. I think that's uh, that's something that we don't realise the pressure involved because, of course, they haven't got a smoking ban in Syria. Um, uh, I, 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 I still don't know whether he gets the amount of um, distaste there is for him. I think he thinks he's in a project that he's been given a two-year contract for and that he... Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking for him here. Um, I think he believes that I think the club would be foolish to get rid of him. But perhaps, yes, he's got this out just in case because he appreciates that uh, his press isn't very good. It's a question of whether he, you know, is he is he getting the fact that there is so much annoyance with him? Is it, you know, is he is that being fed to him? Is he receptive to that or is he just getting on with his job and trying to make it work? Mm hmm. It's a good question, that uh, Dean. I mean, as I said, I think you'd probably be sorry to see. I mean, I hate to kind of keep kind of you know painting you with this brush. Do you tell me to shut up if you get bored of it. But I mean, in, as far as you're concerned, you know, do you think it would be best for all concerned if he went? And you know, could you really blame him if he does go? My only hang up on Sarri is whether he's going to get that connection with the fans ever. Um, obviously, it's overlooked quite a lot, but. The reason we go to football is like, to have a beer, to see our friends, and then there happens to be a game of football on as well. Um, and if we don't see in our players and our managers that they reflect how we feel, then it makes that enjoy uh, that non-enjoyable. Um, mm. And we love Jose and Conte because they have played on those emotions quite a lot, and we got behind them, and we we suffered through Jose and we suffered through Conte because they got us and we got them and. I don't think Sarri gets us at all, and we definitely don't get Sarri. I don't think he understands why the fans are on his back. And we obviously, it's been said on here loads of times, we don't know what he's trying to do. Um, whether or not that can change over the summer. Um, he seems to have spent less time writing, more time on the touchline, in the last few games at least. Um, it's just whether the board believe now that that will change. And he can get that connection with the fans again. I think that's for me the biggest hang-up on whether he stays or he goes. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I I actually agree with all of that, and I think that's kind of what I was saying when I when I say that um, you know for for you know you know if you look at it if you look at what he's done objectively, I mean we can argue till the cows come home about is this season better than Conte's last season? Have we improved as a team? Yada yada yada. Has he actually played? So all of that stuff. The, the cold light of day is that we we finished third in the league. And uh, we're in the Champions League next year and we've got to two finals of Cups. We might actually win one of them. It, it can't be considered to be a disastrous season as a result. Um, but I, I, I really think that, that there is some sort of a disconnect between Sarri and the board and Sarri and some of the players. And there certainly is with Sarri and the fans. And I think maybe it would be best for uh, all concerned if he went. Um, and I have to be honest, I don't blame... If he has been talking to Juventus this week and setting up a new job, I don't blame him uh, for one minute if he does that. That's absolutely his right. He's got to look after himself. 
and back himself. And, I, I, you know, if, if that's happened, fair play to him, I say. Um, would you agree with that, Joe? And, and the other thing, Joe, what, what, you know, picking up on what Dean said, you know, and some people must think we're bonkers. Why, why is it so important for, for managers to get the club, understand the fans, have some sort of a connection with them and also with the board and the players? Oof, um, I mean, I, I think in terms of sort of managerial relationships with with, with the fans, I, I think it, it just creates a, an atmosphere at the club that's sort of conducive to to everyone sort of pulling in in the same direction. Everyone sort of kind of you know moving, really, I suppose as as one. And I, I think this season, you know, and we've had seasons previously as well, thinking back to sort of Benitez, where. It just sort of felt like it was a kind of complete toxic atmosphere throughout the the entire campaign, and you know I can't imagine as a as a team that it's it's a great sort of place to to play, knowing that you know the, the manager's being sort of booed and his sort of decision making has been questioned quite openly in the stadiums. You know there was a period from sort of February onwards where you know you could hear visibly on the television chants of you know pretty, you know, pretty anti sort of sorry chance in, in, in terms of sort of the, the football that was being played, etc. And I, ju- I just don't think that it's really sort of an atmosphere that, that is is really, you know, producing kind of the, the, the sort of results that you want. You know, it's it's difficult enough to go in and play a, a Premier League game away from home, you know, in, in the best of circumstances. But if you've got, uh, you know, your fans who are there to support you, who are, you know, booing individual players, if it's your Eugenio coming off or whatever, or, you know, the bits and pieces. I, I just think that that sort of, that kind of filters throughout the, the club. And I think often you've seen, and again, you know, going back to Benitez and at times this season, I feel that we often look, we've looked quite nervous sort of during kind of key moments of, of the of the game. And I think that is potentially where, you know, fans would, would normally kind of pick up the slack and sort of drive the team on because that, that lack of connection, there doesn't really seem to be that sort of, you know, kind of oomph that maybe we've seen previously. So, I mean, it, it's hugely important, you know, that I think that, that the manager has some sort of relationship with the fans. It doesn't have to be, a, you know, like a, a Mourinho or, or a, you know, a Conte sort of diving into the crowd, but some sort of understanding of, of what sort of demands of, of the supporters are and getting a feel for the club and some of the, you know, kind of the, maybe the traditional way they play, some of sort of the key characteristics of, of the club. You know, it was one of the big, big things that happened at Manchester United with, you know, a whole kind of host of managers departing from this sort of, you know, kind of style that their fans have been accustomed to. And maybe we don't have quite an ingra- as ingrained sort of philosophy as, as fans as, as Manchester United do. But I think, you know, particularly this season, there are some things that, that Chelsea fans, you know, really, really kind of demand and desire. And, and I think sometimes we've just seen this sort of predictable, slightly mundane and kind of weak um, sort of team, you know, that, that maybe is in the people you know, rightly or wrongly has felt it's kind of in the mould of Sari and I don't think that has really connected with the fans at all so you know, going forward whether, whether you know I know we're going to talk about Lampard in a bit but whether it's it's someone like that or just a manager who can connect with the fans I think that it's it's a huge huge uh, kind of must that whoever is is in charge next season whether it's Sari or someone else there is there is definitely some sort of attempt to to, to connect with supporters because I just think it, it makes it easier for them to to do go about their job easier if they need to sort of you know start including different players or, or maybe sort of taking some chances, but it, it's it's a, it's a I think it's been a real kind of you know sort of one of the, the, the sort of determining factors this season in, in in people feeling that it's not been as successful maybe as it has been on paper. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a brilliant brilliant and full answer there, Joe. And I, I think you know a few of the peeps on. Uh... Mixler have uh, have alluded to this. Our old mate Babatunde, he's mentioned similar. But I think that this is not just about Sarri. I think this no. is about the club and the whole disconnect 
that we're seeing with that. Um, Vinod's made a, a really good point here, actually, chaps. He says, the answer to your question, Chidge, it's important because the manager's the person is he is the person who speaks for the club week in week out he's quite literally the face of the club so in a sense he kind of represents us all and uh you know there needs therefore to be a connection and I, and I think you know as I said ultimately I think it won't be the football or the results that will do for him I think it's it's quite possibly that Chelsea are quite conscious of all of that um which kind of leads in very nicely to to you know the next point which of course everybody's been going on about uh you know rumors of Frank Lampard where these came from god only knows uh, of course. Uh, I mean, actually, I've got to mention this. Yesterday was I watched. I watched the I watched the, uh, the match. I thought it was a decent match, and Villa were 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 much the better team, frankly, um, and deserved to win. Although, you know, Derby, as you kind of would expect, gave it a right go. Uh, you know, late on, and I think ultimately they lost because of two really appalling defensive errors, which can happen to anybody, Sarri or Frank Lampard. But. Um, I can't believe some of the comments that were... Well, actually, do you know what? I can believe some of the comments that were coming out on Twitter yesterday because Twitter is just a, a, a massive insanity. But people coating off both Frank Lampard and, uh, you know, some of our wonderful youth players like Mason Mount and, and, and Tamori uh, because they lost. And people were kind of glad about that, which I find really odd. But the reality is um, most people's fears around Frank Lampard being given the job, and Jody Morris, of course, are that it's too early in their management career and they're too inexperienced so they're just therefore not ready to manage a a club the size of Chelsea and b uh, a club as batshit insane as Chelsea and I think whilst there is um, some merit to that argument um, I don't really buy the inexperience argument in a way because you know there have been plenty of examples of managers everywhere not just Chelsea where a manager steps in with no management experience and actually does relatively well I mean Hullet and Viali to name but two at Chelsea uh Robbie Di Matteo of course although he'd had a bit more experience and of course Zinedine Zidane at Real Madrid I mean he'd only coached their b-side so I don't think that's really a valid argument but Jonathan it is it is interesting isn't it and I think a lot of people are kind of worried about uh you know Frank's legacy as a player I think it would withstand that I think it's too he, he was he's so much of a legend for us I don't think a spell managing Chelsea will damage that do you uh, I think he's a wonderful PR. I think he's wonderfully articulate. Um, I think he'd do a great job. Um, uh, I think it wouldn't be a problem throwing him in. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, uh, they'd have to pay a large amount of money to extricate him from the Derby contract. You'd have to get Jody as well, obviously. Uh, but I, 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 I think it's just a rumour. And I think it's people's wishful thinking for him. Um, but I, I, I think he can only grow being at Derby, uh, as you would do the more experience he gets. And I think he'll bring him up next year, actually, without any problem at all, because he seems to get some of those players playing out of their skins when they're not don't seem to be great players. But you have to remember, once again, it is the championship. But I think when, once he deals with the world-class players or the not-quite-world-class players we have at Chelsea, I don't think he'd have any problem because uh, he's won it all. And um, uh, and we would uh, we would forgive him if they weren't, didn't do terribly well in the first in the first season or even the second season because he's frank. But I, I have to go back to the fact that I think we wouldn't be having these conversations about Surrey uh, if we'd finished first or second and had put up a decent... Um, had some decent competition against uh, City and Liverpool. 
and because people were warming to him when the football was being played uh, slightly tippy-tappily early on, but we were still winning. And I think it, it is because we haven't we haven't been winning in the same way that we we have been in the past. Um, I, I, I'm I'm I think it would have been as you say if it had been somebody hurling themselves into the uh, into the crowd and us not doing well. I think we'd have still given Conte a hard time in the first season, um, despite his passion. I think it was its success that people are interested in, and. Uh, uh, other than Frank, who I think because Frank is such a, a hero, everybody would be bonding with that. With, with, we'd be going with his lack of experience. We'd be saying, come on, Frank, you're learning. And I think that would give him some time. It's a question of whether the club would give him time if he wasn't winning anything. But um, I think we'll get round to it. I, I, he probably would be the best person with the transfer ban because the youth would then be given the opportunity. But I... I I think we're going to see Sarri for another another year at least. Oh, fair point. I mean, I, I agree with all of that, J.K. Um, you know, and I think partic- I, I, I mean, personally, I would, I would, you know, I would be very happy to have him if uh, we did have a transfer ban because I just don't know how having a transfer ban is going to play out with any elite uh, level manager, let alone Sarri, because this is how they like to do you know, do their job. Uh, and of course, Jody knows the youth uh, inside out, which I think would be an absolute positive boon. And I also think actually, Dean, that there's um, another parallel here. Well, I'm going to, the parallel which I'm about to talk about is is with Eddie McCready, who, you know, went on a wonderful uh, roller coaster ride uh, with Chelsea in the mid 70s and was very, very well loved, got the best out of our youth talent because he couldn't buy places, we didn't have any money. Um, but I, one thing I would also say, which I've found startling, uh, which I've heard on the radio from Chelsea supporters, so-called Chelsea supporters, and seen on Twitter, who seem to think that if Frank does become manager uh, and it doesn't work very well, as in we start losing, you know, we, we're like mid-table, that he will be booed and people will be demanding that he be sacked. I, I cannot conceive of a Stamford Bridge crowd turning against Frank Lampard at all. I just do not understand where this idiocy comes from. What do they think we are, Dean? Yeah, I don't think anyone would ever turn on Frank Lampard. I mean, even when he scored against us for Man City, he stood in front of the away away end with the Chelsea supporters and we charted his name then. Um, I think what would happen is the fans would start to turn towards the board a bit more and question why our greatest player has come to manage our team and it's in the in the place that it is that it's not a world class squad that it should be with the investment that we've got and the trophies that we've won over the years we should be one of the strongest teams in Europe and we're not and right now we've got Sarri so the board can deflect that onto Sarri and um, when it becomes someone that the crowd actually loves we're going to start looking for somebody else to answer these questions and someone on that board which is probably why they're looking to get someone in that we love as well. Um, we'll have to start answering those questions. I mean, Dean, that's a brilliant point, mate. I was going to say, actually, Joe, that's, a for me, a, a really good, strong case as to why the board won't hire Frank. Because if we hire Frank, you know, it'll only go one way. We're not going to turn against Frank Lampard, but we will turn very sharply against the board and they won't be able to deflect it and scapegoat the manager, will they? Yeah, I mean, you'd also have to question whether they're that smart to know that. You know, I think that they're 
they're looking at Lampard potentially as a as a PR move, you know, to, to bring him in and and obviously then it deflects away from from their fans because they you know they brought Lampard home and he's been given the squad etc. But I think you're right, you know, if if Lampard comes in and and uh, you know the kind of form is very much as it is this season, we don't look like we're progressing and and things aren't necessarily going in in the right direction, then. You know, I think the the sentiment we've seen this season. I think this is this is kind of a, a sort of a, an amalgamation of the past couple of years of, of frustrations. That, you know, I mean, the, the the amount of money we've wasted in the transfer market, the the sort of the, the kind of the general kind of way that the club's being run at the moment. I don't think many people are incredibly sort of happy or, or overly enthused with sort of the, the direction we're taking from a from a kind of football or director of football kind of st- uh, sort of stance as well. So. You know, you bring in Lampard, all of a sudden that kind of laser focus that's been on managers and, and, and maybe players in the past all of a sudden shifts to to those running the club and, and, and that becomes an incredibly uncomfortable and, and maybe untenable position for for many of them because, you know, the, the fans, they're not going to go against Lampard. I mean, you know, if, if he has Jody Morris, you know, for argument's sake, if John Terry comes back and... and, and you know, sort of the, the sort of the gangs back together. I mean, the, the crowd are not going to... To, to start casting any sort of aspersions towards players who have, you know, won more for the club than probably, you know, near enough everyone else who's ever played for the club in total. So, you know, it, it's a dangerous game. You know, I think that obviously that the PR angle is probably what they're focusing on. But if things don't go to plan, I think as as Dean alluded to there, it, the, the the kind of the focus and the attention and maybe, you know, where it should have been for maybe two, three seasons when we're looking at managers that attention becomes incredibly uncomfortable at board level. And then, you know, those sorts of questions that we've been asking on, on podcasts and, and people in writing about in terms of how the club's being run, a lot of those questions come home to roost and, and, and things we've pointed in, you know, I mean, we, we've, we don't really know how the club will react to that. Yeah, it's a very, very good point. And I, 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 that's occurred to me that that might be, uh, be, you know, if the board are smart, they might think about that. But there's no doubt if they did hire Frank, if Sarri was to go, if he was to go of his own volition by going to Juventus, and we did have a transfer ban, it would give the club a huge lift. The supporters would be very buoyed by that. But the thing is, Joe, if Sarri goes and we do get a transfer ban, and for some reason they don't hire Frank, then who on earth could we get? Oof. Um, I mean, I think the the obvious candidate is is Allegri. I mean, he seems to be the one of the only sort of, you know, proven track record managers out there that we we haven't had in charge of the club. And obviously he's free. So, I mean, that obviously plays to the, you know, the, the way that the club wants to, to do things. They won't necessarily have to pay some sort of significant release clause from Juventus. Um, I think really he's probably the only sort of viable candidate in terms of, you know, sort of a traditional Chelsea manager profile. He's obviously been hugely successes, successful with Juventus. You know, he's got a fairly decent European pedigree. He's been to a couple, I don't know if he's been to a couple of European finals, but definitely one that I can remember. Um, you know, he comes from a, from, from a school of managers that, that are very similar to what we've had success with in the past. So to me, he's the, he's sort of the, I suppose, the standout candidate if it's not Lampard. Um, and then you go back into sort of the, the sort of bucket of managers that we've, you know, been linked with in the past. And the names aren't exactly exciting. You know, you're looking at guys like Laurent Blanc, for example, who's been out of work for a while and, you know, not someone that I would necessarily want anywhere near the club. And, and then apart from that, again, you know, you, you either go with sort of one of these sort of next big thing managers. You know, you've got a couple of good managers working in Portugal at the moment. Obviously, we've, we've had some pretty good managers or we've had some pretty good people coming from there in the past. You know, maybe one of these young German coaches, but... You know, it's again, it's taking a bit of a gamble um, in terms of how they obviously come in and, and 
and sort of impact the club. So it, for me, it, it feels like it, it would be Allegri would be the main guy that, that they would go for. And I, I don't think that that's, uh, you know, too too far away from probably where they're looking at the moment if, if they look if they are looking for a replacement because, you know, it's just club the club very much go on, on track record historically, maybe not so with Sarri. And maybe they feel if, if Sarri does go that they want something in the, that's a bit more tried and tested and maybe yeah. a bit more steady and they know what they're going to get from the guy. And, and maybe, you know, Allegri comes in and, and, and he's the guy that's, uh, you know, going to sort of try and reshape the squad and, and, and maybe sort of take it in a, in a different direction. But yeah, he, he would be the guy that I'd look at. Yeah, would, I mean, go on, mate, go on. I was going to say, well, isn't, isn't Allegri more in the Conte mould? Aren't we thinking yeah. here in terms of having seen Juventus a few times, the uh, um, very defensively minded with big aggressive centre halves that we haven't got, but it would suit some of the players who are used to playing under Conte, who I think have never been able to play Sarri's system at all. It would suit Aspilicueta. It would probably suit Alonso if he's still with us because he's rumoured to be going to Atletico, isn't he? Real so Madrid. Um, Real Madrid. Real Madrid is it rather than Atletico Madrid. OK, so uh, um, it would be a, a, a backward step to have uh, Allegri. That he did, does did get Juventus playing really aggressively though it was worth you know you 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 get behind him as a manager if he could stir the players up because Juventus were 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 very very swift it's swift passing and but it's it's defensive essentially and with breaking from defense it's uh, it's big counter-attack football which I know I get the impression that's what lots of Chelsea fans like they don't yeah. want they don't want the the new attempt by Sarri to make it you know, not tippy-tappy. I've never thought it was tippy-tappy. I've, I've always felt we've been lacking a centre-forward who could actually score, and it would have then, then have helped us um, win a few more games this season. But um, it would the board might see it as being a backward step if the, there is the theory that they deliberately brought, that Marina deliberately brought, brought Sarri in in order to change the philosophy, um, which is something she's been, she's been associated with, which I don't think people have given her credit for, because that's one of the stories that I've heard. So Allegri may be somebody they won't want to go back to um, because of this, this uh, the way he plays. The same with Simeone. It's, it's very, very defensive and breaking in a way that, that Sarri clearly isn't, but might suit the players better. Well, I mean, there's a thing, because, of course, you know, Allegri uh, has had, uh, you know, Chiellini... Uh, and the other one, you know, basically, you know, old age pensioners Benucci. playing, yeah, Benucci playing for Juventus. So, you know, and we've got, you know, some old guard. A lot of our squad are over 30. So you never know. The thing is, as ever with Chelsea, we will not know until we know. Uh, now, in part two, uh, we are going to be looking ahead to tomorrow night's Europa League Cup final against Arsenal. I mean, I, I don't know about you lot, but it, it just seems, I think it's probably because it's so far away, but. It's a really weird thing that, you know, on the one hand, there it, it just doesn't seem to be the right level of excitement about this match. Uh, for a, It's a European final, for God's sake. But on the other hand, I don't think I've ever seen more coverage of it from supporters who are all, you know, the, the ones that are going out to Baku, every five minutes they're doing a video or, or a tweet about what's going on. Very, very weird feeling. Anyway, we're going to talk all about the football. So will Chelsea's injury crisis cost us? What will the likely starting eleven be? Will it be a last hurrah for Eden Hazard? Will Jorginho be f- pivotal? And how do we see it all going? And just how important is winning the Europa Cup for Chelsea? The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. 
I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, and a very quick uh, plug for our wonderful website, uh, which is ChelseaFancast.com, where we put all of the podcasts up, uh, which can be accessed uh, via uh, Acast. There's loads of blogs going up there. Dean Mears, who's uh, with us tonight, writes most of them. Uh, and when he's not writing them, it's Alex or Jonathan Ellis. Jonathan Ellis is, in fact, in Baku. I heard from him today. He's uh, when I I had a bit of a text message with him earlier on. He's been on it all day. He says so. He's uh, he's had a few beers. Good boy. That's what we like to hear. Um, all sorts of other things on the site. So you know, uh, you know, basically who we are, where we go to drink, uh, who our mates are, all sorts of other stuff. So do check it out. There's some great stuff on there. Uh, now, um, uh, the first thing uh, really to talk about in terms of tomorrow night's match um, is the. I think what can only really be described as an injury crisis. Um, We've already lost Rudiger, who's arguably been our best defender this season. We've lost Loftus-Cheek, who I would say has been our best uh, player, straight midfielder in the last month or two of the season. Hudson-Odoi, our most exciting prospect, he's out. Uh, But, of course, the, the, the real concern is that our, our, you know, second of only two world-class players in Golo Kante, um, who was already recovering from a hamstring injury, uh, managed to uh, tweak a knee uh, last Friday um, and is rated at no more than 50-50 by Sarri in the in the presser today. I mean, Dean, I, I mean, I'm worried about that, obviously, but I was actually worried before I even heard about the knee injury because I just thought, well, how, how match fit can he be coming back from a hamstring? Yeah, exactly. And obviously Kante's one of them players that gives his all every game and you don't want him going in the the seventh minute as he did against um, Watford yeah. and redoing the same injury and it throws someone into a cup final with not being prepared for it in the right way um, out of the other three I think the biggest loss for us is going to be Loftus-Cheek um, I mean Joe's spoken about him a lot on the podcast that he offers something completely different to any other player that we've got and I think it's something that Arsenal would really struggle against um, defensively David Luiz is normally a big game player so hopefully he turns up again so, for me, missing Loftus-Cheek in, the, in that midfield um, is going to be an issue for us. Yeah, it, it, I think it is. I mean, thing is, Joe, um, Kante aside, uh, you know, how much do you think... Uh, I mean, well, A, how much are all of these injuries going to cost us? But more to the point, if Kante isn't fit, then the only available uh, midfield that he has is Jorginho, Kovacic and Barkley. So, are you worried that this might cost us? Yeah, um, I think the, the last game we played against Arsenal, I think we we really badly lost the, the midfield battle, um, and and you know you're kind of expecting a, a midfield that we've seen so many times this season. Not well, actually, no, not well. I suppose without Kante, I don't know. I, I don't know what it's going to look like. To be honest, who's going to play in the right the right sort of central midfield spot? I imagine it will probably be. The Kovacic, um, Barkley being obviously the left central midfielder. But I mean, the question is, what, what if one of these guys gets injured? You know, I mean, who who then is is going to step forward? Is is Danny Trinkwater going to make a, you know, his first appearance of the season? And, and you know, is he going to push Louise there? Is is Ampadu fit enough? You know, for such a, a crucial position. And, and and bearing in mind, I imagine Arsenal will will try and press the hell out of us. They'll they'll put pressure on you know put pressure on us quite significant in midfield. 
I'd be be concerned whether these guys can play 90 minutes if it goes to extra time. I mean, it, it's a lot to ask. Um, yeah, and Kante, I think he's is is potentially going to be a huge miss. And, and you know, when you hear of you now a player's knee swelling up to the extent that it was being reported when he's running, I mean, that that to me is not is not the sign of someone who's going to sort of play you know 90 minutes and potentially extra time in in a final. And, and given that we all know Kante's style is to sort of just you know the amount of the sort of sheer amount of running that he does in a game. I, I can't see him potentially potentially featuring, but you know, huge huge losses in terms of obviously the guys being out. But that midfield dynamic for me is is definitely concerning. And you know, I mean, we, we obviously went into the final in Munich with lots of suspensions and injuries, etc. But you know, I think this time maybe with with those guys in midfield, it's going to be a little bit more tricky. Um, you know, just just obviously depending on on how Arsenal play, particularly you know if they sort of play this sort of high octane pressing style, I think that that will cause us some some problems. And, and you know. It's one of those things. I mean, I, I hope I hope it works in in the final. But I think the I don't know if I'm trying to think if I can really remember them playing together this season, which isn't a good sign. So, yeah, it's it's, it's dangerous for me, Chidge. Joe, how, how hang on, Jonathan, hang on a second. Yeah. I just want to ask Joe Joe a follow up to that because I think that's a really good point about uh, who on earth you know comes in if you know, Kante is injured and it is Jorginho, Kovacic and Barkley. Because I know that they're taking Connor... Uh, no, not... Well, they are taking Connor... Uh, is it Connor... Gallagher. Gallagher. Yeah, Connor Gallagher. But they're also George McEachran's in the squad yeah. as well, isn't he, Joe? That that could yeah. be like a Ryan Bertrand, uh, you know, proportions, couldn't it, if he gets a game? See, I mean, that that's the, the really interesting thing for me is, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, looking at potentially he's first up, I mean, you know, and the the thing with this, there's 12 subs, isn't there, for this final? So you have you actually have a bench of 12 players. So, you know, you'd have to question. You'd you'd have to be very stubborn to not put drink water on the bench. Even you know, you're saying that he doesn't fit your style of football, etc. You you probably would need him as a body. But I think in terms of in terms of sort of you know kind of backups and looking at style, I think Gallagher and McEachran is is, is sort of Eugenio, and, and Gallagher probably is is. You know the maybe right or left central midfield roles would probably be the, the people that, that will come on. And you're right, you know, we, we, we've obviously, you know, famous sort of Ryan Bertrand making his Champions League debut in the final. How uh, interesting would it be if, if one of these kids didn't get a game all season and, and come on in, in the Europa League final? I, I think Gallagher probably would be the one for me just because I think he's a little bit more physically imposing and he's he's got that sort of bite and a bit of aggression and a bit of athleticism midfield that he probably could come on and, and do a job. Um, but yeah, I mean, very, very interesting dynamic because, you know, obviously drink water is as, as far from being in favour as possible. So are we potentially going to see Chelsea's young player of the year, Gallagher, you know, come and make his debut in the final? Yeah, amazing. Sorry, Jonathan, I didn't mean to cut across you. Just no, wanted no, no, to think no, what Joe no, thought no, about that. Just trying to find out what the temperature was going to be like there. because Warm. Uh, uh, because if... If Arsenal attempt to do what they did in the league game, what in actual fact happened was, which we seem to forget because we were so overcome in the first half, was we actually came back into it in the second half. And I'm not convinced that they can maintain that right. huge press for um, for the whole of the 90 minutes. Obviously, they can't. It'll be 45 minutes. And, uh, um, and they've been terrible away, Arsenal, as have we, other than... Say towards the end of the season, I really thought I'll go on about it. That the Leicester game was a big litmus paper for me because I thought we played very well. Uh, with Jorginho played very well, and um, uh, and so did I think Barkley came on and was very good. And I, I, I suddenly thought, well, actually they they could at a pinch if there were injuries, and we didn't have we didn't have Loftus Cheek then. Um, 
it was going to be much more stable there dealing with that. Well, the question is then we're going to get on to it is Higuain or Giroud. If he madly chooses, ridiculously chooses um, Higuain, I think we've had it. Uh, because, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I, I've just, sorry, Jonathan. I've just, I've just caught some amazing news on Twitter. Actually, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Why was why I was looking at Twitter? I do not know. But it's being a some, bit boring, no, 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 no. I just thought I don't know why something. It's weird. That's what I'm saying. It's like a kind of weird You're sixth sense. Yes, I just I don't know why, and I'm bloody glad I did. Somebody's put up a video of uh, Sari storming off because uh, they're all doing they're doing an open training session in in the stadium Baku. Sarri storming off uh, the, uh, the the pitch and then throwing his cap to the ground in disgust and storming off. And then it's followed up with apparently Higuain and Louise squared up live on TV. Kante's not recovered and he kind of went off early. Pedro's got an injury as well. So it's all, yeah, it's just all absolutely kicked. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that was just mess. What, the, what they call breaking news on, uh, on, on Sky, isn't it? Uh, so ab- absolute lunacy. Um, but before I go to Dean, because I want to want to get Dean in on this, uh, I just have to say that uh, uh, listening in Mixler tonight, and my my usual kind of weekly shout out to the wonderful Mark Barfoot. Mark, as always, we love you to pieces, mate. Fantastic seeing you in here. Uh, Mark, of course, would normally I would imagine have been out in Baku because that's the kind of guy he is. Uh, but I, I suspect he's not on this occasion. Somebody who is though, whether he's actually there or not, I don't know. But uh, the wonderful Stuart Kinner is in Mixer this evening, saying he's going to take his boots. Now, I'd like to see Stuart get a game, actually, because I think he'd two-foot quite a few people, and I would that, that I would love to see. Um, I'd love to know, Stuart, are you actually in Baku at the moment, or, or are you still here and not flown out yet? Because uh, if you're in Baku listening to this, then you get uh, absolute Chelsea fancast legendary status, mate. But there you go. Um, Dino, 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 Dino. I mean, irrespective of what I've just said about what's you know, kicking off in, in Baku right now, uh, surely, um, you know, this is an issue with the industries, but there's a side to me that says, you know, this is redolent of Munich, isn't it? And also, to a degree, Amsterdam, when, of course, Hazard was out. Chelsea don't half like doing it when the chips are down and, uh, you know, we're the underdogs. Maybe this will kind of weirdly play in our favour. Yeah, I just caught the video on uh, BT Sport, I think, posted it. And yeah. Louise and um, Higuain giving each other a few kicks. And it just seems like everything's coming against us and whether that can actually play in our hands where Arsenal are going to think well, we just need to turn up and win this and play and win this game um, because they're on, on their knees already um, whether that's going to somehow give us that Munich miracle again mm. um, Yeah, it, it just seems like everything's coming bad at once um, but maybe one of these guys that hasn't played all season can, can come and do a job or Jorginho can get free assists in one game um, and they'll all be happy about it but at the mm. moment whether that's some sort of mind game for the camera from, from Sarri I don't think it is because he's not that sort of manager but it doesn't look good right now uh, Well I'm, I'm, I'm getting a bit more info on what, what's going on and uh, on, on the Telegraph uh, they've put up a quick uh, article about it um, there we go an on-pitched uh, yeah, Sarri kicking his uh, cap and Storming off the training pitch, which is what we said. David Luiz and Gonzalo, Gonzalo, Gonzalo Higuain uh, ha- having Godzilla. a Godzilla Higuain. That's probably not a bad uh, shout, really. Fatzilla. Um, anyway, you know they're having a bit of a bust up. Uh, nothing yet about Kante or Pedro. So there we go. So the people on Twitter seem to have it first, which is uh, 
increasingly the case these days. Uh, by the way, Stuart hasn't flown out yet. Um, he's on the day trip uh, tomorrow. Stuart, brilliant to have you in here. Mate, have a safe trip out there. I know you're only on the, the, the Thomas Cook ripoff trip, but uh, again, you know, you, like so many of our mates who are out there, uh, sterling effort, mate. Got to be honest. Well done, mate. I, and I have to say, I, I'm very proud to say this, but at least half or more than half of the Chelsea Sports Trust board have all made the effort to get out there, and I think that's a fantastic effort. Uh, right, we're going to talk about the starting eleven now, which uh, gets more interesting by the minute, judging by what's going on uh, out in Baku right now. Uh, and for me, boys, it, it kind of brings up a lot of uh, either-ors and some questions. The first one, Jonathan, of course, has already alluded to, um, and we've already mentioned him, Godzilla uh, Godzilla Higuain or Oli Giroud. I mean, Jonathan, for me, it absolutely has to be Oli Giroud. I was thinking to myself in a moment of uh, kind of inner inner dialogue naughtiness today that uh, I was wondering that could you sack a manager before the match had even kicked off? Uh, because if he picks Higuain, I think that's what I would like to do. <laughs> would Bruce Buck descend onto the pitch? I, I would do it, mate. I would do it if he, if he, if he, if he selects here. Higuain. I would say, well, you're fucking fired, mate. But the chances are he will pick him. He'll, it'll be similar to the Leicester team. Um, is Drinkwater one of the subs then? Or much no. Well, he's not. He's not even travelled. He's not travelled. Well, there we have it. You know, I mean, goes to show what his status is. My goodness me, how, how the mighty have fallen. Um, uh, yeah, it, 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 you know, his, his performance towards the end of the season just got worse and worse. He just stands about and uh, doesn't make runs and... Um, points ridiculously at, at, at his legs saying he has to have the ball delivered to feet and uh, um, and the, the miss against Leicester when he hit it against his foot rather than tap it in was, you know, absolutely typical of the man. Um, I mean, he's, and the chances are, of course, that Giroud will play out of his skin, give him an opportunity because he's playing against his old club um, and, and he's got 10 goals in the competition anyway. I know he didn't play hugely well against uh, Eintracht, but... You know, I, I think that was a one-off. I think he's. Um, this would be the perfect game to play Giroud from the beginning, obviously. Of course it would. Couldn't agree more with that. Uh, Joe, I mean, you know, there's hardly anything to say there. I think if any of us on this programme right now would prefer Higuain to Giroud, they need, te- they need their head testing, don't they? Yeah. Uh, I mean, this, this Higuain experiment is, has been what disastrous from, from when he first signed in. I think for me that the worrying thing is that you know you keep hearing that if Sorry's here next season, he's the guy that he wants to sign, and he's convinced that he's going to score a load of goals. So, you know, I, I just would be—I don't know—I don't know how I'd react if he started tomorrow, but it, it really wouldn't surprise me. We know that he is one of Sorry's absolute and absolute, you know, undoubted favourites, and yeah, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he does pick him, but it has to be Giroud. You know, I think he. He has been exceptional in the Europa League this season. I think just generally that he, you know, he works better with with the players around him. He brings Hazard into the game more. He brings other players into the game. And even if he's not scoring, you know, there's there's a reference point for the team. I think you know Jonathan's point earlier was was spot on with Higuain. You you can't even knock the ball up to him because he, he you know he can't seem to to hold the ball up or you know he won't run you know fifty you know he won't run ten ten yards to sort of win a ball. So it has to be Giroud. But you know part of me thinks. I'm not going to be hugely surprised if it's uh, if Higuain does start because he's he's one of Sari's boys. I will do my nut, Dean, if Higuain starts. But the other, I think the other issue uh, there are plenty. Um, William or Pedro to start for one. 
Yeah, I think with the like Giroud and um, Higuain, I think given that Giroud's played in the competition, like the other guys have said, um, he has to start. And also, he's staying next season. Um, so what sort of message is that going to send to him if he doesn't get picked? Um, in terms of William and Pedro, it, sometimes it seems a bit either or. It doesn't really yeah. matter which one plays. Um, I would go with, with William. I think he's a bit more stronger defensively. And if we're missing Kante... Um, we might need his athleticism up and down the pitch a bit more than than Pedro. Well, uh, do you know what? I, I I'm going to disagree with you there, mate. I actually think. I mean, I know what you're saying. I don't. I, I don't think William is. You know, is that slack defensively? But I think I, I I can't remember what match it was. I think it might have been a Europa League match. But I think Pedro's pretty good defensively. I mean, I've seen Pedro whiz all the way back to the penalty area at double quick time and put in some tackles. So I would be inclined to play Pedro, but uh, I do see your point there. Um, what about uh, the defensive issue? We've got Emerson. I mean, he's been playing Emerson a fair bit recently, but I mean, Alonso's got a few games recently too, Dean. You know, which would you go for there? Uh, personally, I, prefer, I, prefer, I do prefer Alonso. Um, and if we're going to need some set pieces, maybe even a penalty at the end of the game, um, I'd rather have Alonso there. Um, he does pop up with a goal as well, so I would go for Alonso over Emerson. Yeah, I'm kind of inclined to agree. Jonathan and Joe, Jonathan first. Uh, William or Pedro, Emerson or Alonso? Uh, it depends which Pedro turns up. Um, the Pedro... little short one with the kind of Eli Wallet <laughs> moustache, mate, probably. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't doubting his um, his, uh, <laughs> his image, his picture. Uh, but you know, he, he he. We we recently we've got somebody being fantastically energetic and then his en- energy becomes you know man who runs after ball and kicks it into touch or falls over so it, it's almost as if he becomes um uh, he, he gets sort of beyond himself he, he tries too hard um uh, i don't know for me i i think he'll bring him on as a sub actually i think he'll start with william and william will then be slightly pissed off and uh, and and slouch off when he's substituted um but for, they're much for muchness for me. I think they're both. They're both. They both can be terrific. It depends which one we're going to get. Um, mm. uh, and I would pick Alonso. I think Alonso once again played really well against Leicester, yeah. and uh, and for me he does much more than Emerson, who um, uh, doesn't really get involved as much as he should. Uh, and I'm not convinced he's as as, as excellent a defender. Um, I just think I think you know we've got a problem with that. You the problem the, the the, the template, the throw the uh, the yardstick will always be Ashley Cole as a left back, and neither of them gets anywhere near him for me. And that's what you you want to have playing uh, because Cole is such a superb player, was such a superb player, and it makes you realise how far we've fallen. Despite Alonso being decent, you know we're talking about um, uh, Cole was the, the the top player for me at fullback. So uh, yeah, I mean he's a wing back, not a left back for me. But Joe, what about you? William or Pedro, Emerson or Alonso? I think that the whole William or Pedro thing, for, uh, it doesn't really matter who starts. We seem to have this thing recently. If Pedro starts, he's terrible. William comes on, looks fantastic. William starts the next game, he's terrible. Pedro comes yeah. on, looks fantastic. So yeah. just need to figure out which one started the last game and came on and then pick them maybe. But I, I, I can see probably William starting. Um, just seems to be a little, maybe a little bit more dynamic, maybe a little bit stronger. Um, but again, I think it's a toss up and, I mean, I'll, I'll go slightly against the grain here. I'll go with Emerson. I, I don't think really that he's he's really a better player than Alonso. I just have concerns with how fast Arsenal are in attack. And I think we need as much pace um, 
in the back four as possible playing against them because I think Azpilicueta is is looking a bit leggy towards the end of the season and I don't think Luis, without Rudiger next to him, there's, there's not much pace in that back four when you've got Aubameyang and Lacazette and others sort of bearing down on them. So I, w- I would like at least one player in that back four to have some pace and, and maybe in that case it's Alonso that, that makes play. But again, I, I wouldn't be too... Wouldn't be too surprised to see Alonso start, but I'm just thinking about Arsenal on the counter with that that level of pace and athleticism up front. We we don't have a real sprinter in the back four, so Emerson Emerson gets a nod for me. Yeah, I I see what you're saying, but I, I've got one thing to mitigate that, and that's you know when Arsenal absolutely you know shoot gave us a shoeing at the Emirates. Uh, basically what they did of course like like so many do is that they they stuck uh, a man on Jorginho yep. uh but they also rinsed us uh, down our left and of course Mkhitaryan and Bellerin were instrumental in in tearing tearing us apart really uh and of course that that exposed Alonso of course the good news for Chelsea is of course that Mkhitaryan's not playing and nor is Bellerin and nor is Ramsey so i think you know we talk about our injury crisis uh, and if it's going to cost us. But I think Arsenal have got an issue. And of course, uh, you know, before you ask, uh, Chidge, you know, didn't you even watch Arsenal this season? Of course I didn't. Uh, luckily, luckily, uh, I've got, um, I, I, you know, this has been a, a weird year. The season's end and the review next week. I may, may well mention this. It's been a very weird season for me. I've kind of managed to release myself from the Chelsea bubble and the Chelsea echo chamber. I've actually talked to supporters of other teams, you know, because I do this radio show on a Sunday for Love Sport. Uh, so I've been on two Arsenal podcasts this week and had another Arsenal fan on on the Sunday show, which revealed to me uh, the deep wounds to their psyche about their injuries. So it's not all one-way traffic. Uh, we're not going to do the midfield because we've kind of already done that to death. But what I will do is I'm going to go straight to uh, Jorginho because Jonathan mentioned this earlier and I, and I have to... I have to agree. I think that Jorginho's form, you know, I'm very quick to criticise him, but we should be equally quick to praise him when praise is due. And I thought his form has significantly improved in the last kind of month or so. And as I said, Jonathan, uh, I know for a fact, obviously, that they won't have Ramsey available to to, to mark him out of the game, which means that if they're going to have somebody to do it, it might well be Ozil. Uh, I I would happily myself be marked out of a game by Ozil, so ineffective he would be at doing that. I don't think Ozil's ever marked anybody out of a game. Exactly. That's not his role. He would would sit back and sulk if he was forced to mark anybody. He's supposed to be a great playmaker, isn't he? He can't possibly give him that role. Um, I don't think they'll attempt... I don't think that'll happen. Um, I just think because Jorginho is that much improved... And he's got a bit of steel to him. I really think he's 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 really come into it. I think he's going to be a star tomorrow night. I'm uh, I'm convinced. It'd be lovely to see that, wouldn't it? You know, he's had yeah. such a load of shit all season. I'd love him to be man of the match, even score. It'd be great. Well, I think what my despair is watching players, watching players, watching supporters um, give him the thumbs down and boo him, even when he's been playing well. It's almost as if they've made their decision. Uh, about him that he's rubbish because he's Sarri's representative, unfortunately. And I think he's become very tainted by being associated with Sarri himself. So people have become a little bit blind to the improvements that he's made in his game over the last few weeks. So I'd I'd love him to be um, to be a star tomorrow night. But yeah, I think Ramsey not playing is a big, big, a big, big plus for us because he always seems to play very well against us like in the cup final two years ago. And uh he he he's um he seems to raise his game against us. He's a decent player anyway. I think they've made a mistake losing him actually, but I think he wanted too much money, didn't he? What's he on going to get? But 
300 grand a week. A week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, but that's so, so he's injured and, and Mikatarian can't travel. And, uh, and who's the other one who's injured, Chich, did you say? Bellerin. Bellerin. He's a, I've always thought he was one of their best players. So that's, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be a real problem for them. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Um, very quickly, uh, the word from Mixler. Um, uh, we've got a lovely message from our mate uh, Russ Saunders, uh, also known as Blue in Oz, who I know is definitely in Baku. I've seen pictorial evidence of this today, even though I knew he was going out there. He is listening from Baku. He said, hello from Baku, a bit jet lagged and more importantly, pissed. There you go. I mean, I, I've got to say, I, I'm I'm more chuffed by this than I can think of anything else this season. We've got people listening live in Mixler to our show who are in Baku, Jonathan. Uh, I mean, well, that's a fa- that's fantastic, isn't it? Wonderful, wonderful. Oh, Absolutely. I'm loving that. Loving that. Right. Um, I'm going to move this on uh, because um, if there's anything, Joe, that gives me uh, uh, you know a grain of hope about this, and I've got to be honest with you, I'm 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 not. I'm not uh, overflowing with confidence about this because I just think it's impossible to be overflowing with confidence uh, with Chelsea this season. There's just no certainty about about what they might do, what might happen. But if there's one thing that I think gives me the edge, and actually I'm going to go back to what I said about the, the various Arsenal podcasts I've been on and various Arsenal fans I've talked about, they're all shit scared of Eden Hazard. And I mean, I actually got one on air, live on air, to say... You know, I mean, I'm, I mean, and it's, it sounds like stupid me saying this to you now, because of course we we all know how true this is. But I said, you you know, would you would you accept that uh, Eden Hazard is the best player uh, on the pitch? You know, on either side, uh, and I got them to to actually admit that that was true. Now, given how Arsenal they are, that that is not as daft as you might think it is. But they're shit scared of him basically, and I think with good reason. He's got a great record against Arsenal. Um, he missed the the 2013 final. Uh, he's definitely going to want to bow out in style and leave on a high if, in fact, he's going to Real Madrid, which looks likely. And, of course, it would it would cap off a fantastic season for him, wouldn't it, Joe? Yeah, um, I think it's true. I mean, I think one of Hazard's kind of, I suppose, one of the main things he'll remember for is I think he's always pretty much turned up in big games. You know, he always scores goals against United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham. You know, you, you, can, you can pinpoint almost a, a fantastic goal in each game. I think he is a... A big game player and he does have a superb record against Arsenal often scores or assists you know we all remember the goal where I think it was it Cochrane he sort of jumped on him and threw him off like a ragdoll beat two players and you know I mean he, he's just uh, got an exceptional record against them I think on a personal note I think Hazard will actually you know I think he will probably go into this game thinking right this is my the way that Chelsea fans will probably remember me and I, you know a lot's been said of his dream to move to Real Madrid I think he's been an incredibly happy player at Chelsea for the past number of years. And I think that there is a real affinity between him and, and the supporters. And I think that, that will shine through in his uh, performance. We know, obviously, that he missed the, the 2013 final. This probably is the biggest, you know, biggest final that he's played in. You know, what, what better kind of platform to show Real Madrid that he's worth the 100 million plus, whatever it is that Chelsea are asking for him. And to go out there and just completely destroy Arsenal. And yeah, I mean, you know, we, we can talk all about the, the fantastic season he's had statistically. I think he's been I think he's been excellent this season and I think was recently like I think voted the what was it, the PFA fans player of the year, or he won some some pretty prestigious fans player of the year award. Um, you know, so I think it, it it's kind of the the, the the sort of the the exclamation point on, on Hazard's career, sort of, you know, the the kind of full stop on what has been a, an incredible sort of period at Chelsea. And I think in terms of him not from not from an egotistical perspective, but I just think the way he is, the way he carries himself, 
um, that, that he will want to go out there and both put on a show and, and do everything that he can to, to win the game because, you know, I think that this potentially is the last game we're going to see of him in a Chelsea shirt. And I think that he will want that to be one that fans remember him fondly because he's had that kind of relationship with the fans since he's been here. You know, he's been a, a fan favourite. He's been one of the greatest players that Chelsea have ever had. And I think, you know, he's often looks at players like Didier Drogba, obviously, you know, leaving the first time with the penalty and then some of the other great sort of signing off with titles. I think that this is something I remember him saying a long time ago, that if he ever left Chelsea, it would be on the back of winning a big trophy. And potentially for him, this is this is the big trophy to do that. So, yeah, I, I think he'll play well. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he's man in the match. Wouldn't surprise me if he scores. And also wouldn't surprise me if he just completely steals the show. Mm, completely agree with that. Uh, Dean, I, I would imagine uh, you would think much the same about that. It'd be fantastic to see him, you know, if he's going to go, which it looks like he is, uh, absolutely rinse Arsenal, help us uh, win the trophy and then go out in a blaze of glory, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think the only thing for me is it's a bit sad that it's a Europa League final um, where he's bowing out. Um, you know, he was signed as this new era after Munich and we haven't really ever kicked on from there. And the reason that we're saying goodbye is because we're in the Europa League final. We're not challenging for Champions Leagues. And we've had this fantastic player and we've never we've never matched his potential and his level. And he's always been the one that's dragging us to these occasions. Like he took the, the final spot kick in the semi-final. We've always relied on him instead of supplementing him with, with, with better players. And so it's a bit bittersweet that you know, yes, it's a great way to leave, but like we should have been building a squad where he stays, and you know yeah. he has that legacy like Drogba. Um, you know, Oscar's was the, was the king. Hazard is definitely the prince. But I thought you were going to say he was the queen for a minute, Dean. <laughs> That's just a rumor. <laughs> I think I think the board should be ashamed of themselves personally about the way they've treated Hazard because they should have built a cl- a team around him because he is one of the best players in Europe and they should have bought players accordingly, not gone down this bizarre route of buying um, really incompetent for 250 million of all of whom are out on loan. I mean, actually, it's staggering how, how they've, they've, not, uh, they've not kept the squad up um, to, to, to match him. They should, have, they should have used him as the, as the kind of yardstick for me. I think it's uh, shameful. Mm. Can't disagree with any of that. All right, let's move this on um, because uh, there's been, it's been really interesting. Actually, Mark Barfoot uh, uh, mentioned mentioned this uh, on Mixler a minute ago, but um, I kind of titled this, you know, how important is winning the Europa Cup? Uh, and you know, there is a there is a sense, uh, and, and a lot of the media on this has been that you know Arsenal are way more motivated than we will be because, of course. For them, it's their absolutely last chance to uh, get uh, qualification for the Champions League next season, whereas we've all got it. But I think there are, I think there are all sorts of, um, uh, you know, things kicking around for this. Uh, you know, first of all, I would say that, that it's a trophy for us. It's been a, you know, uh, it's for so many reasons, you know, too numerous to go into now. It, we, we, we've kind of, you know, talked about it all season, really, but... It's not been the most enjoyable of seasons on and off the pitch. So to finish it with a trophy would be lovely. And there is nothing that Chelsea supporters uh, like more than winning a trophy. And of course, it will be uh, our sixth European trophy. Now, I'm going to just explain this. Uh, the boys, boys know, <coughs> excuse me. The boys know all about this because they've got uh, the graphic from my favourite all-time website, 
uh, myfootballfacts.com. Uh, and I keep this uh, under my pillow, this particular graphic up in paper form. Because people, people want to know what it means to certain generations of Chelsea fans about winning any trophy and why it's so important. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because I grew up with bloody Arsenal, Liverpool and Man United winning everything and us, and us really never winning anything at all. Um, thanks to Roman Abramovich mainly, but not exclusively, um, the table is, now reads like this. Uh, Man United have got 42 trophies. That's 20 league titles, 12 FA Cups, 6 League Cups and 5 European trophies. Liverpool have 41. That's 18 league titles, 7 FA Cups, 8 League Cups and 8 European trophies. Arsenal have 29 trophies. That's 13 league titles, 13 FA Cups, 2 League Cups and 2 European trophies. We are now 4th on this list with 23 trophies. 6 league titles, 8 FA Cups, 5 League Cups, and they say here four European trophies because they're not including the the Super Cup, so we'll say five. Fuck that. Um, this is why, to me personally, this is so important because every time we win a trophy, we get closer to Arsenal, uh, or we overtake. I mean, for example, you know we've got as many League Cups as uh, Aston Villa, who love winning League Cups, and Man United. We've got more European trophies than I think. You know. I mean, if you include the Super Cup, and I mean, I know that's a bit of a an if, we've got the same number of European trophies as United. We're only second, therefore, to Liverpool in terms of European trophies. To me, these things really matter. A bit like, if you, if you want to make a comparison, I am as obsessed with this as Alec Ferguson was when he became Man United's manager and he famously wanted to knock Liverpool off their perch. For me, this is really important, to win as many bloody trophies for this club uh, before I pop my clog so that we can get up that table and people recognise us for how unbelievably brilliant we are and how superb we've been at winning trophies. For me, Dean, this matters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, your currency is trophies. Yeah. That's what we're playing for. It's what we go into every season is to win a trophy. And, you know, you never know when it might be your last. So, yeah. you know, take that opportunity and enjoy that success because at the end of the day, that's what we're going to remember. That's what stories that are going to get passed down are the trophies that we've won and the nights that we've had um so yeah for me we've got to win it mm, absolutely right i mean jonathan you, you i've told you this before i think but you know psycho phil and his mates and uh, i think i include uh, lovely smithy actually neil smith in this but you know they used to gather together every may uh, at the end of the season to watch uh, the 1970 FA Cup final. Or, no, I don't think they even watched it. There was an LP of the commentary, an album of the commentary. They would listen to it to relive it. And they did it for like nigh on, you know, 27 years until we, or 24 years until we got into the cup final again. You know, this is what it means to some some supporters about winning trophies. You know, it's really huge. And I, and I think this is, the for us, this is the most important reason to win a trophy. I don't care what trophy it is. I mean, all trophies are important to me. Oh, completely. And the thing to remember, of course, is if we win it, we'll have won a, a European trophy. So therefore, the season must be terrific. But 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 we're we're being Chelsea. We're we're not putting it at the forefront. We're not saying it's a great victory, are we? If we do win it, we're saying, well, it wasn't a very good season, and he's not a very good manager, and the, we didn't play we didn't play very good teams. But when you think about it, it, it's a Europe, it's a European trophy, and another one to add to the list of 
a phenomenal success since 97. You know, I, I, when we won the cup in 97, I hid behind a hedge and cried because <laughs> it, it, it was so, I heaved. You know, I remember thinking, I'm in control of this, I'm in control of this, and had to go off the road walking back after we'd won because it was such, a, for me, the, I actually at the time thought, it's not going to happen again, it's so rare. Lo and behold, in this era, you know, we've we're it's phenomenal success rate. And yes, the the sooner we can overtake Arsenal, the sooner we can get to Man United is is what everybody aspires to. So, uh, you know, you you you've got to say that if he wins it, he's had a good season. You've got yep. to say that. Not going to deny him that at all. I mean, yeah. Joe. Uh, other than the, the 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 hunger for winning trophies and of course the bragging rights that go in it something that has also been overlooked which is perhaps you know even more tangible and this is what Mark Barfoot was alluding to is that if we beat Arsenal tomorrow then we will be seeded in pot one of the Champions League uh, whereas if we uh, don't beat them if we lose to them we'll end up in pot two now if we're in pot one it means that we'll be seeded and therefore avoid Barcelona, Bayern, Man City, Juventus, PSG, Zenit, Liverpool or Spurs so, you know, there's some tangible benefit to winning this in terms of the Champions League next uh, season, which shouldn't be overlooked. Mark Barfoot was uh, kind of inferring that the club don't seem to have figured this out, which I think is hilarious if true. But, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that that definitely is is, is huge. I mean, you, you just pretty much named probably the, the quarter-finalists that are probably going to be in there next season. So, you know, if you can avoid those, that's obviously... That's obviously definitely something that we should should be looking to. I mean, I, I'm perhaps a little bit old school. I, I'm just seeing it for the trophy that it is. I think obviously, you know, there are obviously tangible benefits of, of qualifying for the Champions League. Stopping Arsenal qualifying for the Champions League is obviously huge because it, it will affect who they can buy in the summer. But I mean, just just taking it on face value, it's a European Cup final against Arsenal. You know, I mean, it, it's everything you dream of in terms of being able to be a, a very, very close rival in a final. And then magnify it by the fact that it's it's in a European final. Yeah, okay, it's not the it's not the Champions League, but it, it's still a European final and you know still one of the most prestigious trophies in, in world football to play for. So yeah, I mean definitely, you know, obviously that the benefits are, are there in terms of stopping them and obviously in terms of the seeding. But I, I just think that this is just a, a, another excellent opportunity to add to our trophy tally. And you know, looking back in, in terms of when we won it in in, in Amsterdam and following season I mean that was you know that was superb I think it's it's a trophy that I think maybe traditionally English clubs have have, have somewhat looked down upon for some reason you know I mean it's it's not something that we've always taken seriously Spanish clubs have traditionally you know you can see that they've won it an an awful lot of times in the past few seasons but you know I think it's it's a huge trophy to win and and you know I think again it's it's Arsenal you know it's a cup final the last cup final they beat us you know so there's there's something there obviously in terms of, of, of revenge to play for but you know, for me personally, it, it, it doesn't get bigger than than playing Arsenal in, in, in a final. You know, it, it just is it just is, you know, in the nature of the game itself. So I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, that, that obviously that we turn up and that we win it. And obviously then the, the, the tangible benefits are great. But it, it's yeah, it's just it's just a massive game against a, a, a very close rival. And in, in that respect, you know, you just want to win the game. I think that's a really good point, actually, Joe, you know, which, again, has been uh, overlooked. Uh, you know, people are all a bit meh because, oh, it, oh but, but well, you know, playing Arsenal in a final in Europe, we should be playing a European team. But actually, for me, that, like you're saying, I think that, that gives it added edge. You know, yeah, we, definitely. you know, we really don't want to be losing uh, to, uh, you know, Arsenal, who are massive rivals 
for us, perhaps not with the same enmity as, as we have with United, Liverpool or Spurs, but they're, they're big rivals and you don't want them getting one over on us. It's as simple as that. Um, so the point is, um, how on earth are we going to do it, Dean? Um, I wonder, first up, whether A, Sarri will play this safe, a bit like he did with City in the League Cup final, or he'll just, you know, revert back to type and, and in a, in effect, in a, in a, in a, a sense, just go open. Uh, and secondly, will Emery try and do a job on Jorginho? Of course, we know that uh, Ramsey's not available, which means he might just. Jonathan seems to think that he'll ignore that. So, so what do you think, Dean? Uh, I think that um, given the injuries to both squads, the, each manager's going to have to play to their own teams strengths basically um, you know sort of forget the opposition and just do the best that your team can do um, I don't really feel that Sarri's going to sit in um, like he did against City I don't think that Arsenal will terrify him as much as Man City will um, and I think he'll want to win it his way um, sort of have that to show that you know in my way works and it does win trophies and Everyone that said I've not won anything can't say anything now. Um, how we win it is, you know, remember who we are, remember who we're playing, and and, and deliver basically. Mm. I think you know that's a really good point, Dean. I forgot to mention that earlier on. I mean, surely, Jonathan, this is this. You know, you would have thought this would be massive for Sarri, which is why I. I find his comments in the presser today so bewildering that, oh, well, it's not that important. I've had Serie B matches that are more important. You know, this is a guy who will be completely and utterly validated if he wins a trophy. You know, something he's not managed to achieve before, something which gets thrown all the time uh, and aimed at Klopp and uh, Pochettino particularly. You know, and he can say, well, I've won a trophy, so fuck off. You can't have a go at me about that. Now, you would have thought that, that he'd be more invested in that. Yeah, completely. It it uh, it, it 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 gives him. Um, it, it will get rid of many of his uh, of his critics, won't it? If he wins a trophy, because that's been that's been held against him. That's been he's been hit with a stick with that piece of information consistently as not being a winner. Um, you wonder, is it could it be reverse psychology when he said today that he'd been Serie B. Matches that were more important. Perhaps he was being sarcastic. Perhaps it was lost in the translation. Um, I can't believe that he's not aware of how important this game is. Uh, it's 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 the most important game of his career, without any shadow of a doubt. Mm. Joe, uh, I think as far as we're concerned, the, the biggest worrying concern is Lacazette and Aubameyang, who have been. Uh, you know, really good for Arsenal recently, and I think they were particularly on fire against Valencia. Uh, you know, they are amongst two of the best strikers in the league for sure. Uh, we worry about how our defence deals with pace. You know, there's no real pace in any of our. In any, I mean, Rudiger was probably the paciest. He's out. Uh, I mean, you know, Christensen maybe can just about cope, but it's worrying, isn't it? So how we how do we snuff that threat out? Yeah, I mean, it, this sort of takes me back to, I think, one of my all-time favourite Jose Mourinho quotes. And I, I can't remember which player said it about him, but he, he used to say about finals, do you want to enjoy the game or do you want to enjoy the celebration afterwards? Yeah, and that, for me, is, 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 is one of my all-time favourite comments because I, I fear if we go into this game and we play opener, I think one of the criticisms I made pretty much all season is how we you know, we attack with so many numbers and, and we, we really only leave kind of Jorginho and the two centre-backs behind at times. And, 
you know, playing against particularly Aubameyang, you know, he is unbelievably quick in terms of how fast he is and Lacazette as well. You know, if, if we go into the game with this sort of gung-ho mentality and, and sort of play play the philosophy and not the game, then I'm, I'm very, very sort of worried. I mean, I, I think that Arsenal will, will score maybe one or two goals. You know, I think it, it's... It, it, it's that much of a concern for me if we go into this game with our sort of usual mentality. Um, you know, how, how do you contain them? I think that, that there is, a, for me, certainly a, a way of, of, of trying to not push uh, both fullbacks on at the same time. I, I maybe see Kovacic tucking alongside um, Jorginho where possible, or even Barkley, you know, just to sort of reduce some of that space. But and, and also maybe not not play such a high line. I mean, you know, you, you can't give Alabama Yang, you know, yards and yards and yards of space to, to run into on the counter. So, you know, it, it's a question of, I think, if, if Sari goes into this, you know, full philosophy mode, full kind of way that he's been doing it without necessarily all the pieces that he would want available, no Kante, maybe no Loftus-Cheek, uh, no Rudiger, etc. Um I think that that will be very, very problematic for us just because of the, the sheer pace and, and the finishing ability that Lacazette and Aubameyang bring. So, you know, I hope that he has something up his sleeve. We've seen him do it in, in the cup final against City. We've seen him actually in the following game against Spurs sort of pull some tactical tweaks out of his bag. I think we're going to have to switch it up a bit and, and actually reduce some of the space, condense the, the space uh, that, that Aubameyang and Lacazette have to operate in and also just not attack with with so many numbers at times, just to be mindful of, of what they can do on the counter-attack. Uh, well, absolutely. That's a good point, mate. I mean, one thing that kind of also gives me a little bit of uh, uh, comfort and uh, optimism, and again, I kind of, you know, I, I'm drawing heavily uh, uh, on what uh, these Arsenal, uh, you know, people that I've been speaking to a week uh, were saying, and, and that's the fact that uh, because Bellerin's not playing, uh, that means Maitland-Niles uh, will be starting, they think. And they're worried about that because, of course, Hazard will be on Maitland-Niles and uh, could make mince meat of him, uh, Dean. So, you know, that that uh, could be a possible way in for us. And, of course, you know, if if if, uh, if uh, Sarri does pick, as we bloody well hope he does, if Sarri picks Giroud, uh, again, that could be fruitful for us. But, I mean, overall, I mean, I, I'll talk about the predictions in a minute and what I think, but... You know, Joe seems to think that there might be some goals in this. Are you you of the same opinion? Yeah, I think there will. I think it might be a quite an open game. Um, you know, I think they've got to not stop worrying about um, their own problems and what the opponent's going to do and start focusing on, on what they do. And remember, you know, we've got the trump card in this game, which is Eden Hazard. Um, you know, they're going to be petrified of what he can do. And as he often does in big games and against Arsenal as well, you know, he comes up with the goods and... You know, given our defence, I think they'll be looking forward to getting the ball into our box as well. Um, yeah, I think it could be quite open. Mm, that's interesting. Well, time to nail our, our colours to the mast now, gents. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to deviate from what I've said, Jonathan, uh, because I would be uh, inauthentic and a hypocrite should I do that. But I've been saying all week that I think it's going to be really, really tight because I think there's a cigarette paper between both of the sides. Uh, Dave Seeger, the Arsenal uh, chap who's on the, the Love Sports show with me, agrees. He says he thinks it's going to be uh, he, he'll, he says it's going to be really tight. And having said that, he reckons they're going to win three one. So well done, Dave, for being contrary. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I do think it's going to be really tight. I don't think there's going to be a lot of goals in it at all. Um, I, in fact, I think it might go to extra time and penalties because that seems to be 
our kind of shtick this year. Uh, but I have predicted that uh, Hazard will score the winning penalty and we will bring the cup home. So that is what I'm going to stick with. But who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of thinking 0-0, 1-1. But I think from what you lot are saying, it could easily be 2-2-3-3. Two, two, three, three. Who knows? Uh, but Jonathan, where, where are you on all of this? I think it's really important whether he plays Higuain or not. Um, mm. I think that really is massive because... Uh, I think Hazard Hazard will will score. I really do. I think he'll be on complete fire. Um, but he, if Higuain just won't be the focus for us, and I think uh, um, we're unlikely to to score any more than say the one that Hazard scores if he's playing centre forward because he is so useless. Um, so uh, I still think we'll I still think we'll win comfortably. Actually, I really do. I'm I'm uh, I don't think they'll deal with us. Uh, with, with I don't think they'll deal with the occasion very well, and um, uh, as you say, I think that the, the main threat would be uh, Lacazette and and um, a, a But I'm I'm not convinced that uh, they'll get the service. I, I I I'm I'm really positive about it, and I think we're going to win. We're going to win three one. Good man, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Joe, how about you, mate? Uh, I think three two. I think there's there's going to be a last minute winner in it, and and I think it'll be Eden Hazard knee sliding his way to the Chelsea fans, and uh, hopefully the, the last goal in the in the final. But three two. Yeah. He may, he may well have to, to, to run further trying to find the Chelsea fans. Exactly, and yeah. It'll be more effort doing that than getting the winner, mate. But I love, I love A, the optimism, and I love your uh, script writing abilities there, almost matching my own. Uh, I'm, I'm loving this. Uh, Dean, don't let us down. How are you going? I'm going to go 4-2 after extra time. So two all for the time, 4-2 <laughs> nice, nice. time. So you're going to go the Alf Ramsey route. We've won it once. Let's go and win it again. Yeah, definitely. And of course, you realise, Dean, how fitting that would be because, of course, the uh, very crucial third goal for England in the 1966 World Cup was, of course, flagged uh, as a goal by the Azerbaijani uh, linesman. And there is a statue of him outside the stadium. Did you know that? I didn't know that, actually, no. There you go. Chidge knowledge, mate. That's what it is. That would be highly appropriate and very fitting. So there we go. We're all actually, I mean, I'm, I'm, as always, the most negative person here. Everybody else is incredibly positive. I'm loving it. Um, I've got some kind of random stats uh, for you not here, uh, just so you know. Um, I mean, we've been brilliant this season in the Europa Cup. Uh, We've got a competition record of 17 games unbeaten in the Europa League. Um, And uh, the last time we lost was uh, 2-3 or 3-2 at Ruben Kazan. Who remembers Ruben Kazan? and, uh, you know, it'll be a club record 15 match I've beaten in Europe that would surpass our current best of 14 set between 2008 and 2010. That kind of worries me, you know, when we get to those records. We only need one more to, to beat our run. Sorry, I'm t- bringing everybody down here. I'm going to stop it right now. Uh, Oli Giroud is the top scorer in the competition uh, at 10 level with Luka Jovic, of course, much coveted by everybody, including us. Um, OK, I mean, you know, you know the rest, really. You know, Luka and... Uh, and Robbie Di Matteo, another couple of Italians that have won us European silverware. Arsenal have lost four of their five UEFA European finals, with their only victory coming in the 1994 Cup Winners' Cup against Parma. On that note, I would love uh, for maybe... There we go. Jorginho to lob uh, Petr Cech, because we didn't really talk about that, but uh, lob Petr Cech uh, from the halfway line, so that it could be a repeat of Naeem from the halfway line just to really upset the Arsenal fans. Um, and, of course, the other worrying thing for me is that Unai Emery's won the Europa League more often than any other manager, winning it three times in 2014, 15 and 16 was severe. And, it, it, you know, to win it again would be 
absolutely unparalleled. Anyway, enough of the stats, people. It's boring. Oh, uh, one for Jonathan. The referee is Gianluca Rocchi. Uh, the VAR ref is Massimiliano Irati. 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 Maybe he's a, he's irratable. Uh, it could well be. Anyway, Rocky and his four assistants are from Italy. No shit, Sherlock. Uh, and half the VAR team are from the same country and half from Poland. How does that work? Uh, so there we go. It's the first time an, an additional offside VAR will be used. Anyway, enough, enough, enough. Uh, in part three, we're going to discuss Petr Cech being rumoured to become sporting director at Chelsea. Uh, and are Chelsea really banned from making transfers? What's happening with the appeal to Cass? And uh, with Derby losing to Vela in the championship playoff, what now for Chelsea's youth stars? We'll be back very soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. You're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. I've got to say, actually, um, you know, that, that Dean. And uh, Joe, as ever, Joe, actually, to be fair, but both Dean and Joe have completely and utterly made Jonathan and me raise our games tonight uh, by talking about football. Uh, <laughs> very unusual, really. I mean, Jonathan and I normally cock around, but we've, we've actually really... F- you see, this is what I want from the team tomorrow. 
You know, I want them to focus. I want them to focus on the football, just like me and Jonathan have tried very hard to do, because you know people out there who are listening, you know how hard that is for me and Jonathan to do. So, you know, maybe what we should do is to send Jonathan, no, sorry, to send Joe and Dean out there and uh, put them on the uh, the coaching staff to make sure that this happens. But there you go. Um, right, one one thing that, uh, again, like Jonathan might say this is fake news. In fact, he kind of alluded to it earlier on. But one of the things that is supposed to be happening, which has caused a lot of interest this week, is that Petr Cech is allegedly uh, going to be Chelsea's new sporting director. Um, hilariously, um, Arsenal fans are, are in, cre- in complete umbrage about this and uh, do not think that he should play in the final because, of course, there's a very good chance that uh, Emery will pick Czech to play in goal tomorrow night on the basis that he's played him in every Europa League Cup uh, you know, match so far. Uh, and although I'm, I'm not one to go with sentimental... Uh, choices, uh, it, it appears that that's what he might do. And of course, the Arsenal fans are all really worried that Czech's going to throw a couple in and, and, and give us the game, which I, I think is hilarious. But I mean, to be honest, Dean, I can't I can't see Petr Cech doing that. He's too much of a professional. He's going to want to win win a medal tomorrow, isn't it? It's his last game. He's not going to throw one in, is he? Yeah, I don't know how I'd feel if the boot was on the other foot, but um, you know, we know Petr Cech, you know what he's like as a person. You know, he's a model professional. He's going to want to win this game. Um, to finish his Arsenal career on a high, as as he almost did with with Chelsea as well, and not just his Arsenal career, his football career. You know, he's going to go out winning a final, not losing a final. Um, you know, I say I wouldn't be worried if I was an Arsenal fan that Petr Cech's playing, but if it was the other way around, I don't know if I would want him to play or not. Hmm. Well, I, I, well, I, I, I kind of know what you mean. It's easier to take the moral high ground when it's not happening to you. I mean, I happen to think actually they're dropping a bollock if they play him because I think Leno's proved that he's a better keeper. And of course, the other interesting thing is that uh, you know the reason that Leno got the nod ahead of him throughout the season was that Leno can actually use his feet, and we know that Petr Cech's uh, not best at playing out from the back, whilst he still remains a very, very, very fine goalkeeper. I think it'll be lovely. Uh, it's a lovely touch if he does play that he's playing against Chelsea, of course, where he's you know he really made his name, and I'm sure the Chelsea supporters will be uh, very loving towards him tomorrow night and give him the due respect that he deserves. But he is coming back to us, which I think is a great idea. Um, the one thing, Joe, that I'm not entirely sure about, which is therefore making it hard for me to to, to cast any analysis on this as to whether he's the right choice or not, uh, because I don't really understand what the role will be. I mean. If he's there to be a bridge between the board and the players, then I think that's a superb choice. But if he's there to be a bona fide director of football, then I'm not entirely convinced of that. I think the the interesting uh, choice of words that I've seen in articles is is a sporting director. And I think that that is, is quite important because I think what they're trying to do first and foremost is there was a lot of sort of negative kind of connotations around the term technical director, obviously associated with Michael Amanalo, rightly or wrongly in terms of his role. So I think that they've, they've taken a very sort of distinctive kind of a very, yeah, sort of a, a very sort of distinct step in, term of, in terms of the language that they're using to describe him as a sporting director. And I think in, in terms of that, a lot of it will be in terms of, you know, how, how do they sort of create a, a slightly better philosophy from, from a board level and, and how do they implement that and whether that kind of extends into to scouting and recruitment and, and sort of, you know, bridging the gap between the academy and first team. And sporting directors tend to be a little bit more involved in kind of the day-to-day, everything, you know, going to sort of sports science departments and medical all the way up to recruitment. So it seems to be quite a deliberate ploy in terms of what they've done that. And in terms of sort of the right choice, I mean, for, for me personally, I'm I'm quite happy with it. And, and the main reason being that I think at Chelsea, particularly 
at the board level, um, the, the main currency that Roman Abramovich operates in is trust. You know, you look at the, the amount of people that he's worked with for an incredible sort of amount of time. And the reason he does that is because he trusts people, you know, whether we would go and get some sort of fancy down, you know, elite level scout come in telling them how to run the club and, and what, how that would be responded. I think Czech has a, a kind of an innate sense of, of trust. I think there is an existing relationship there with, with Abramovich. Um, we obviously, we know he's an incredibly intelligent guy, speaks many languages. I think that he will, he will have a voice that will be valued more because of what, he, what he's achieved at the club. I mean, don't forget, I think, you know, there was, there was a lot of uh, talk at the time that Abramovich personally kind of signed off on him moving to Arsenal. And the reason, you know, we, we sort of laughed at the time was, was for the school run. But, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's something that I think Abramovich sort of personally got involved in, in, in sort of, you know, giving his blessing for him to go to Arsenal. So I think Czech has a has a relationship with Abramovich, and I think in that case, that's almost to me more useful that he is going to have a a voice that is potentially going to be listened to by by Granovskaya, by whoever is running the club, and um, by virtue of, of of this sort of you know currency of trust that he's going to come into the club with. My concerns with, as I said, going out and getting someone like a Jorge Campos or you know the guy who runs Red Bull Leipzig or any of these other clubs who've got these sort of elite directors is. It's just how much influence they'll have coming in from the outside, not having that existing relationship. So if, if he's there to sort of start building something that, that uh, you know, improves sort of the recruitment, I'm, I'm fairly certain he can, he can have an opinion on whether he thinks a player will be able to play in the Premier League or not. He's won enough trophies in the Premier League. He's been a fantastic Premier League player. But also just, just, just a sensible footballing opinion, almost like a football advisor to the board that, as I said, has that existing relationship. So, you know, whether he's the right choice, I think obviously time will tell. But I think as, as an initial kind of moving to that sporting director model, that direction, I think you, you can't really go wrong with him just because he has that existing relationship and he's an incredibly intelligent guy as well. Yeah, I think, you know, that's a really good perspective actually on it, Joe. And there's no doubt that one thing, Jonathan, that we that we do need at the club, we've been moaning about it for season after season, isn't it? That, that, that there's just such a lack of football expertise on the board. And and if if Petacek does nothing else but to fill that void and be a a more sensible voice in Roman's ear, then that can't be bad. Well, you wonder if it's been they're going to keep Sarri and it's been done done deliberately to uh, uh, to take the pressure of him off him being the PR disaster that he he clearly is. But I'm still not convinced um, that the appointment's going to take place because there's been no official announcement, and I don't understand why if if it there is official. It's been leaked this soon. So just before the game against Arsenal, I don't understand that. And I'm, I'm, I think it's um, fake news. Yeah, but it's, it's wound Arsenal up. So, you know, completely. At, the, at, the, at the very least, it's hilarious. So, yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. I, no, it's worked on that level, but I, that's what makes me think that it's been done via the internet. And it yeah. may be something in, you know, that they're considering, but uh, I, I'll be really surprised if it takes place. Well, we shall see. Uh, time will tell. Uh, I just at this juncture, excuse me, I would like to say that uh, there are more people, more Chelsea supporters who are out in back here who are listening to us live, which I just think is the most fantastic thing I've seen all season. We've got Shed Upper Man in Mixler, who, of course, is better known as Ramsey. Uh, fantastic. And I actually think, I, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I think Jonathan Ellis is in there too. Although when I texted him earlier, he said he'd been on the beers all day, so he might not be in a fit state to listen to the show but if you're in here Jonathan uh, announce yourself uh, I just think that's brilliant seeing people who are actually out at Baku right now listening to this show that for me is the definition of proper Chelsea so there you go now uh, the other thing isn't it wonderful Jonathan I'm oh, loving oh, it um, but I also I love te- 
technology being able to do this is also wonderful. There we go. Fantastic. Now, um, other news uh, recently. And Jonathan and I talked about this on Friday, but I, I at, that, at the time couldn't get my head around it at all. Uh, but I think I might have done now. I mean, basically, from what I understood, uh, Chelsea have yet to appeal the, uh, the, the FIFA ban, basically, uh, to CAS, which is their last... Um, the, that's the Council for the Arbitration in Sport or something. Anyway, they, they, apparently they've got until tomorrow to submit uh, an appeal to CAS to get FIFA's transfer ban overturned. However, if they appeal and lose the appeal then they will be banned from January 2020 and the summer of 2021. Because if they put in that appeal tomorrow, it'll take a while for the appeal to come through, by which time this transfer window in the summer will be over. So they'll go to the next two, which will be January and the following summer, which would be bloody awkward. So I think this is really what I was trying to get my head around on Friday, that actually they may well not appeal uh, the, uh, the case and they will accept the ban, uh, because if they do that, then, you know, they will serve the two window bans from now, including this summer, and then they'll serve January 2020, which means that we can start buying, buying players again from next summer. Uh, Joe, you're, you're a man of vast intelligence. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, I think the the more that, that's sort of being leaked from, from kind of the usual figures who've got access to some people at the club, I think the club are, are more and more kind of accepting, or it feels like they're they're going to sort of let, let the ban run its course. If Cass, you know, deem that they they want to sort of investigate it and then freeze the freeze the ban or freeze the ban on transfers, then I think they'll be happy with that. But it feels now that if they accept it, then obviously just sort of ride ride sort of the the kind of the the season out, you know, get it kind of over and done with. And that seems to be sort of the strategy that they they have at play. Um, be very interesting because I I, th- I think that the the, the ban, depending on whether it sort of kicks in place this summer, etc., I think that's going to have such a huge influence on the managerial situation. Um, so, you know, I think it has very, very far-reaching sort of implications in terms of whether Sari remains or whether they, they look at someone like Lampard, etc. Um, I think that, I think Jonathan alluded to a little bit earlier, would be, be very much dictated by um, whether we have the ability to, to buy players in the summer because, you know, sort of looking at how the season's gone, you know, I've often felt that that for for Sari to really sort of make a, a huge kind of dent into into this side and really sort of you know kind of imprint his his philosophy on the players that he would need to sign a handful of guys this summer who were very very sort of close to being top tier players to sort of kick on. Whether we, his coaching is going to be enough to bridge a twenty four whatever it was in the end point gap to Liverpool or, or even get somewhat closer, I'm, I'm I'm a little bit uncertain of. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what runs the course. But at the moment, I think Chelsea's lack of action would, would to me, suggest um, that they're fairly happy, you know, sort of taking the ban. I, I, I'm generally sort of an impression, particularly with how we've kind of responded to sort of other legal stuff in the past. That If we wanted to contend it, we would have heard about it, you know, weeks ago. Because Chelsea are normally incredibly quick to, to act on this sort of stuff in, in the past. So I think the fact that we've not heard anything concrete about them appealing and, and you know, Matt Law and the usual suspects are coming out and suggesting that, Chelsea seem to be sort of okay with with sort of taking the bound. I think it suggests that, that that maybe it's a course of action that that, that, that they'll take and, and you know they'll be happy just to go season without spending money. Mm. I, I I concur with that, and it kind of in a sense, Jonathan, it makes makes a bit of sense, doesn't it? Putting it in that context, it makes sense, but it's it looks to me as if they'll let Surrey go if that's going to be the case. 
Well, I, I do have a suspicion that, that that might indeed be the case for all the reasons that I said earlier, you know, that yeah. it's not really just about... I mean, you know, I, 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 maybe it's just my experience, but I've been in jobs where, you know, I've I've met all the targets, you know, set all the objectives, but, you know, my face doesn't fit. So I've been given the tin tack and I've done done the same, you know, when I've been running companies too. It's very awful, but I'm afraid, you know, and I've got, the other thing I would say is, for example, whenever you do an interview and I, the number of people I, I, I've spoken to or know who, who've gone for an interview with a job, they, they meet all the qualification criteria, They've done a brilliant interview and they don't get the job. And they don't, well, I don't know why. And I, well, basically, you know, the most important thing, and I know this from having hired a lot of people, are they going to fit in to your culture? You know, it really does matter. And I, and I have a suspicion that Sari doesn't. And I think that's, as I said, that's what might well do for him. Which uh, never mind. slightly Machiav- Machiavellian on the board's part, if they're going to uh, accept the ban, knowing that he wouldn't deal with it well, so they'll then get somebody in who can. Well, the, the, board mas- the, the board... Still- we're going to say possibly points to Lampard. The the board Machiavellian. Who knew? Uh, anyway, um, uh, that that's yeah, that's about yeah. I mean, I think there's also some. There's you know there is I think another side to this, which is actually, you know, in a sense, if you don't think you're going to win it, or you think it's going to be ball ache trying to win it, then you might as well get it over as soon as as, as you can. And I think it points to that as well. So who knows? Uh, Dino, um, in a sense. You know, I think that the club have been like they often do. Actually, they've been telegraphing a lot of this. Uh, I'm talking really about Giroud signing a new deal, uh, Luis signing a new deal, Caballero signing a new deal. All of whom are, are well over thirty. Um, which is not. I mean, I know that the club's got a policy of only extending the contracts by year, which by and large they've done. But if you had, you know, if you didn't have a transfer ban coming then I would imagine you'd be very quick to get these players off their off the books and get, you know, better, younger versions in, wouldn't you? So I think it, it, it pretty much points to the fact that we're going to take the ban, doesn't it? Yeah, I think everything points to that. That's going to be what we're going to do. Um, I think it's probably the best thing to do as well. Um, you know, we need a, a top-tier striker, and you know, for all Drew's qualities, he's not what we need up front. Um, so he definitely wouldn't be signing new contracts. Louise maybe have a case, maybe not two years, but a case aside him. Um, everything that we're doing as a club is suggesting that you know, we're going to take this ban on the chin, accept the punishment, and sort of get our get our house in order in that in that period, and then come to the next transfer window in the summer 2021, and hopefully do some business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, they have done some business, uh, Joe, and uh, uh, the American hero. Uh, I mean, you know, Pulisic sounds like the living, breathing embodiment of a Bruce Springsteen song, doesn't he? Uh, the Yanks love him. Uh, and I thought that, I thought, I mean, talking about the media as we were early on, I thought they were disgraceful, oh, actually, trying to just, yeah, trying to get a headline out of it by getting him to say on camera that he can replace Hazard. I mean, for fuck's sake, that's appalling, isn't it? I mean, one of the things that I find fascinating is, did Chelsea not vet the questions, you know, that are being asked? They normally do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it, it came across as, I don't want to say use the word bullying, it's too strong, but I mean, to, the, the the tone of the interview was, I mean, and, and all of the questions, it was absolutely baffling that, that there were Chelsea media people there quite happy for him to to sort of sit there and, and be subjected to some really overly harsh and... and you know, questions that, that were uncomfortable to, to watch and uncomfortable to see him answer. You know, of course, 
you know, he, he's not going to be able to, to replace Eden Hazard. I mean, there are very few footballers in the world that, that can do that, you know, it, well, you know, and, and they probably cost 200 million pounds, you know, if, if you're going to get a direct replacement for him. So, you know, to put him under that sort of pressure immediately, you know, is it's insane. It's like when Drogba left the club, you know, bringing someone in, okay, are you going to replace a, a living legend at Chelsea? It, it, you don't sort of ask those questions to, to young players. I mean, I think he handled it pretty well. Um, the thing I like about him, he, he seems to have uh, a very, very sort of solid attitude. You know, he didn't seem too flustered by the questions. I think that was that was a pretty positive thing. I don't think he, he's, he's a hazard replacement. You know, you look at his, just his general output, his goals and assists in his career over the course of the seasons he's been playing. I mean, they're not sort of a, a hazard sort of level. But I think what he is, he's, he's a player who has a, a very high upside. I think that he can improve a lot. Um, has has some very very good moments with Dortmund over the course of his career. You know, scored some very good goals, great uh, great energy, great work weight, uh, great um, work rate, and, and and generally, I think he he's one of these players that you're looking at Pedro and William. For me, he's he's a fantastic kind of replacement for those guys in terms of what he brings to the club. But in general, yeah, I, I completely concur that the the sort of leading questions and the the sort of fishing for a headline, the sort of the whole this whole kind of clickbait journalism that was sort of very much at that sort of operation there was was pretty despicable, to be honest, considering it was his first sort of major interview as a Chelsea player on a major platform. So, you know, I, I hope that he does well, you know, Captain America is whatever it is, whatever it is they call him back in the States. But, you know, he's he's going to have to be a, a a good player for Chelsea because next season, if he can't buy players, then, you know, he he's really the only fresh bud that comes in with, with any sort of proven pedigree and, and any sort of experience. So there's already enough pressure on his shoulders without people, you know, asking him if he's going to be the replacement for Eden Hazard. So I hope he does well. But, you know, I think that those are, are big shoes that, that 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 not many people will feel. And hopefully he can sort of carve out his own sort of niche at the club rather than being compared to, to Hazard sort of every second of the day. Yeah, quite. I mean, I, and I have to say, I mean, talking about the press, I mean, actually, that you know, if they trust you, they don't vet the questions at all. But I think if, if that had been going on and if I'm the press guard, I'd stop the interview. Yeah, I said, I said, sorry, mate, if you're going to go down that line, I'm going to pull the plug. Yeah, you know, because they have the power to do that. It's amazing. Anyway, uh, just sticking with you for a minute, Joe, because you you know, uh, without casting aspersions on 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 the the, the three of us, uh, you know more about the uh, the youth players <laughs> than I'll ever know. But uh, very interesting weekend, of course, because. You know, obviously, uh, we had the uh, the Chelsea uh, Championship playoff with Tammy Abraham playing for Villa and Mason Mount and uh, and, and uh, Fekio Tamori playing for Derby. Um, you know, which has been a big season for them. Sad to see Mason Mount and Tamori on the losing side, of course. But uh, those three, plus Jay Clark, Salter, and uh, Jay De Silva, have all been uh, included in England's under twenty one squad for the European Championships in France in June which I have to say is good news. And uh, as I said earlier on, you know, George McEachern and Conor Gallagher, Conor Gallagher and Jamie Cumming are all in the Europa Cup final squad, which is fantastic for them. Uh, reminds me of, uh, it was Big Blacks, wasn't it? Jamal yep. uh, Blackman, who who got a, you know, uh, he was in the Champions League celebrations, bless him. Um, but um, I think concentrating on Tammy Abraham, Mason Mountain, Tamori, you know, what, what now for them? I mean, they've had a really good season, all three of them. I mean, Tamori was Derby's player of the year. Mason Mountain got called up for the senior England side and Tammy Abraham scored. I think he's the first Villa striker since Peter With to bang in uh, that many goals this season. I can't remember exactly, but it was over 20. So what now for them? Are they destined to come back, do you think? I think, again, a lot of this will have uh, be, be sort of driven by by how Chelsea's kind of transfer you know, options are this summer. 
I think potentially, I think Tammy Abraham, I, I feel, I just feel that he's earned, he's earned an opportunity to come back and compete. You know, it doesn't feel like we're going to be able to, to go out and buy a, a superstar striker this, this summer. So if, you, if you're looking at sort of his, his competition, you know, if, if Mishi Batshuayi hangs around, you've got him, Giroud and Abraham under contract. I mean, for me, that's, that, that's a no brainer that Abraham gets the ability to compete I think the one thing that I like about him that continually comes across is he has this sort of relentless desire to play for Chelsea. Every kind of interview that he has, he speaks about the club wanting to come back, play for the badge. You know, he he talks the language that fans enjoy. And I think actually when you watch him play, you know, his work rate, his, his ability to close down, his sort of strength on the ball. You know, he's the kind of striker that, that, that maybe clicks at Chelsea because he's just a pure finisher. You know, he's not going to drop into midfield, beat six players and, and, you know, thread the ball through to a centre forward. But what he's going to do, he's going to be in the right place nine times out of ten and he's going to finish, which is, you know, look at look at us this season, some of the chances that we've missed. I think Abraham probably scores a lot of those. And, you know, yes, he may not be the the, the greatest, uh, you know, prospect in the history of world football, but as a number two potential player, if we do go and sign a, a top centre forward, I'm more than happy for, for Abraham to be the backup, to rotate in. And who knows, you know, he, he could he could surprise a lot of people because Chelsea do create chances and, and, and Abraham is a finisher. You know, he scores all different types of goals. He's got a lot more physical playing in the championship. You can see that he's starting to fill out more now. You know, he feels like he potentially could be an option in terms of up front. I think Mason Mount potentially, if, if Chelsea can buy in the summer, I think potentially you'll see him go on loan to a Premier League club. If not, I think he'll be back at the club. Um, you know, I, I look at Mason and I, I see... Kind of what Kovacic has done this season, you know, Mount may be able to replicate some of that in terms of sort of the minutes and stuff. It was very noticeable that Derby's kind of drop in form under Lampard coincided when Mount was injured. And I think a lot of that is actually that Mount's incredibly intelligent off the ball in terms of his sort of positioning and how he kind of leads the press and, and all these sorts of things that you maybe associate with more senior players. I think that's one of Mount's biggest strengths. And Tomori for me is a player I've always really liked at youth level. I think that he... He still needs some refinement in terms of concentrating for sort of 90 minutes. But in terms of having like a pure athlete and some of his ability on the ball and just, just sort of overall defensive play, reminds me a lot of, uh, of William Gallus when we signed him, that sort of, sort of ability in terms of pure sort of raw speed and power and just his defensive ability. So, you know, three players that you're adding back into the squad for, for next, well, for, for nothing in terms of obviously bringing them back, whether they make an impact, you know, obviously will depend on the manager and the formations and all this sort of stuff. But... I just think, I would say particularly to Maureen Abraham, I think they've really sort of earned the, the opportunity to, to compete at the squad. Um, and I think Mount as well potentially could, could surprise a few people, particularly if, you know, Kovacic returns to, to Real Madrid on loan. So I'm, I'm positive. I mean, I'm positive with youth players anyway, but I think that they've shown this season that they have something to contribute to Chelsea, even if it's just more energy, even if it's more pace, even if it's just a bit more athleticism. You know, we have, I think, I looked at it uh, a little while ago, we've got the oldest average sort of starting 11 in terms of the top six. You know, our, our average age is, is way above Arsenal, City, Tottenham, etc. So you bring some of these guys in, it, it brings that down. Um, and, and I think that potentially that, that they'll go and have successful uh, Chelsea careers, even if it's, you know, with squad players and they move on. But, you know, they, they, they could really, I think, add something next season, particularly if we have a transfer ban. Joe, I mean, as ever, what a fantastic answer. Uh, Dean, do you, I, I dare you. Do you have anything to add to that? Uh not that can top Joe, um, you know. <laughs> um, I think you never know unless you try with these with these kids. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yep. Unless they get on, a, unless Abraham's in a team that creates chances and not Swansea in the Premier League, he's not going to score any goals. Um, um, what I would do if we've still got Sarri is I'd take Zola out of that coach and staff 
and promote Joe Edwards up and have someone that knows these kids. Um, if it's not going to be Lampard and Morris, you know, Joe Edwards is someone that's worked with these kids for years now. Um, just have someone there to help that knows them, knows their best traits, their best attributes, and that can, can guide Sarri on that. Um, you know, and unless you put them on the pitch, you're not going to know. He rather ominously said, um, uh, one of the, the press conferences, there are three low knees that I've uh, I've been impressed with, which I found absolutely dreadful, actually, because you, you think, who are the three low knees? I think Zuma was one of them. And you think, well, is he dismissing all the others then? Is he dismissing all the uh, the Derby players? I think what, what Joe said about um, uh, Mount being very bright, I think... Uh, I think Abraham is as well. I think yep. uh, one of the problems that we have with Batshuayi is he's not the sharpest tool in the box, <laughs> although decent in the box. But um, uh, unfortunately, uh, from the impression that I got, what I'd heard was that it was very difficult to get him to play to any plan or pattern, and he was constantly out of position. Mind you, looking at Higuain wandering about towards the centre circle, you wonder whether he's exactly the same kind of player. But I think that... Um, Consequently, Abraham um, seems to have great potential for improvement to me, yeah. and I think, and I think similar with similarly with um, Mount looks uh, a class act actually. Good stuff, Jonathan. Uh, thank you for your final. Uh, well, as, as the wonderful Afro Buzz would say, thank you for your contribution, matey. Uh, but uh, yeah, Joe is. I mean, we're so lucky to have Joe on when we got a, a youth issue to talk about. So thank you, boys, for all of that. Right, some very quick parish notices. Then we got emails to read out, and I'm, we're going to scoot through those as quickly as we can because it's already bloody ten past nine. What's going on? Uh, very quickly, Patreon. Of course, we've had a few emails from Patreon. You'll be delighted to know that they're going to be read out tonight. Um, but if you like what we do, uh, then you can become a Chelsea fancast patron, and that means basically that you can patronise us. Uh, which will make a nice change, Jonathan, because we're always patronising there. <laughs> you know? Yes, lovely, lovely, lovely equalisation there. But uh, basically, um, it would help uh, cover the costs of running all the shows and everything that we do uh, and carry on doing uh, all good stuff, which I hope we all do forever, really, um, until we get retired. Um, so there we go. Very easy to join in. Just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Chelsea Fancast and uh, you can donate whatever you want, you know, really anything you want. Nothing or something. We don't mind. There's no pressure at all. But, you know, a few dollars a month, you know, is about the average, I think. Uh, uh, and there you go. It's just all all very gratefully received. Um, you know, and there are fringe benefits to this. Uh, I'm working on them. You know, just, just be patient and I'll let you know. Uh, what they are as soon as I've worked on them. So there you go. The other thing, of course, is you can get in touch with me quite easily if you want to, because I do tend to take a little notice of that. Uh, and there are some emails on the show in a minute to prove that. Now, uh, also, Chelsea Supporters Trust, another worthy cause, possibly more worthy than our Patreon account, but uh, I'll leave that for you to decide. Uh, but if you do join the Trust, you can get your voice heard by the club. A uh, lot been going on, in fact. Uh, I suspect that a lot of you will have realised that... Uh, we put out a, a monster statement last week, um, hammering uh, UEFA in particular, and also the club, about this uh, Baku Europa Cup final. Um, UEFA, uh, absolutely, for not giving one iota about the supporters uh, going out there, but also Chelsea for not helping them at all, which we feel very strongly that they could have done. Uh, it was really lovely. It was really heartwarming, in fact, to see how much traction that statement got and uh, how it resonated with so many of you. You were in the uh, standard tonight, Chidge. I was. I was a ranting. I did speak to Simon Johnson earlier on, yeah. uh, ranting. He, he he phoned me up and said, Chidge, I've seen your statement. Can you do a bit more ranting? 
<laughs> and he and I said yes. He said okay, go. <laughs> so, so, I, you know, I, I know Simon very well. Actually, he's a, he's a, he's a, I know he gets a lot of a, a hard time for some. On, on what do they call it, Joe? Chelsea FT or football Twitter to the uninitiated. But he's a really lovely bloke and he supports Chelsea. Um, anyway, so uh, where was I? The trust. Yeah, it's a good thing to be involved with. You know, we do have access to the club and we have a license to kick them when they've done wrong. Equally, we have a license to praise them when they've done right, which we also do. Uh, it's very easy to join. Uh, just pay five quid a year if you want to vote and attend the meetings. And you can go to ChelseaSupportersTrust.com uh, and find out how to join up. Very, very simple. Follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. And finally... Uh, the most worthwhile institution of them all, the Chelsea pitch owners, which, of course, protects uh, the future of the club uh, in terms of playing football at Stamford Bridge because it owns the freehold of it. Uh, and if you want to have a little bit of that, it's very easy. You can go and buy a share for about 40 quid or more, uh, and uh, that means that you own a bit of Chelsea. And as I said, it means that football will always be played there if you uh, don't sell your share to somebody who wants to build a bloody block of flats on it or something. Anyway, uh, easy to find them too, at Chelsea Pitch Owners on Twitter. Uh, oh, sorry, email info uh, at ChelseaPitchOwners.com. It's at Pitch Owners on Twitter. And uh, if you pump in pitch owners in the Chelsea FC official website then it'll take you to their page on there uh, a very very quick notice about what we're planning for the summer we have one more live normal kind of Monday show like this and of course it won't be on a oh, it will be on a Monday next week yeah it's going to be next Monday June the 3rd uh, and it will be to review uh, obviously the Europa League final uh, and of course we'll do our big season review then as well and it'll be me Jonathan uh, the wonderful Liam Toomey, who's out in Baku as we speak. And I think Alex Churchill uh, has got the nod for that one. If not, it'll be Clayton. Anyway, then there will be a break, a three-week break between the 10th of June and uh, June the 24th, because I'm going on holiday. So there you go. Um, but uh, when I get back, I'm going to put up a few of the old classic Chelsea fan casts on a Monday night so that you get to relive some of those some of you might have heard them for the first time and and, and i'm also kind of toying with the idea of maybe doing a few one-offs on special topics uh, make like a loan report transfer rumors possibly even do a q and a uh with written uh questions and maybe a few skype calls i, I got moaned at the other week for not having enough or, or any international fans on the show uh, i did point out that there's a reason for that uh we are a, well, I mean, you know, we started doing the show in a pub in, uh, after the game, so it's kind of effectively a London-based pub. It is no longer. It's all on Skype now. But everybody who's on this show, as I said to Dean the other day, actually going to ask Dean now. Dean, you know you put your, your tweet out about, um, you know, uh, would you, you, you're, you're up for doing a podcast, but you didn't ask me directly. Can I ask why? If it's not too embarrassing, obviously. Uh, well, I thought I was just waiting for the call-up, to be honest. Oh, oh, touche, touche. Good, yeah, good, good response. But my point to Dean, as he will, will verify, is that, you know, the people on my show have been uh, are friends of mine. We've, we've drunk together. We've spent time at Chelsea together. That, for me, is the important thing and the essence of this show. This is what makes it what it is, you know, that we all have a direct connection to going to the games uh, um, otherwise it'd just be like every other show and it would, in other words like a poor kind of version of a professional radio show if you see what I mean There's no, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on anybody else's show but for me the, the what makes this show unique is that we're all mates and we've known each other for a while we've been going to Chelsea games for a while and I mean I don't, I, I've only known Dean for a few years but Dean and I have had beer in the cock that's the qualification isn't it Dean? Yeah it just costs £5.20 and you can get on 
Yep, that's all. Yeah, you just have to buy me a beer, really. I have a very cheap date. All right. Um, obviously, the Love Sports shows uh, will continue every Friday uh, between 8 and 9 p.m. They're slightly shorter over the summer because they've got all sorts of other stuff going on. Uh, and there may even be a few special guests, so watch out on news of that. We will be back very shortly with your emails. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, and uh, we are in the home straight, uh, and I have loads of emails for you this week. And the first one, Jonathan, is from John Marshall Cracker. Gentlemen, I write this after another enjoyable listening experience. I particularly enjoy Jonathan's reading of emails, which remind me of Boris Karloff reading The Night Before Christmas. Years ago, when my daughters were very young, they took up the sport, which at the time I knew nothing of. As a responsible dad, I had various ways of learning the game, pick up a book, attend a clinic or join a local club. I took the best route and watched on television late 90s and found our boys in blue. Since then, I've toured the bridge this past summer and had some pints at the pensioner. Most recently, I flew up to Boston to see the boys in their yellows for the first time. What can I say? For me, like seeing Springsteen when I was 17, now 60. Or the first time my girlfriend's parents went away for the weekend, also 17. Never forget that, and we'll never forget seeing the Chelsea coming out of the tunnel. I'll be returning in April this time to actually attend some games and expect that experience will top all. Sometimes the less access you have to something, the more desired it becomes, which may explain the passion as a fan across the pond. Keep on talking and I'll keep on enjoying. I hope Jonathan reads this, as I always enjoyed the Grinch. (laughs) All the best and pints if we meet, John. Thank you, John. There we go. No, well, what a treat uh, for both of you, I feel. Beautifully uh, right, written. This... Beautifully written, Chidge. Beautifully. Was, yeah, wasn't it just? And I, and I do look forward to, to, uh, to meeting, uh, meeting John for a beer in the, in the cock. That would be uh, the best. Uh, the best talk. Sorry, I've got distracted by reading stuff on, on Mixler. Stop and look back at the script because I've got an email to read out. Right, uh, this is from Joe M, and this was definitely sent to Patreon. So, Joe, thank you. As, uh, as Afro Buzz on Love Sports says, thank you for your contribution, matey. Much appreciated. Now, he says, good morning, Chidge. Now that the season is finally almost over, I wanted to take a moment to thank you, JK, and the crew for the hours and hours of entertainment during the past year. Note, I only discovered the Chelsea fancast on Spotify this past season, so I cannot fairly describe myself as a long-time listener, but please be assured that I will one day attain that title. As a resident of the States, I actually live in the town where the revolution started. Goodness gracious me. Where, 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 Jonathan, do you know where the revolution in the States started? I don't think I do. Boston. No, I don't think it was. It was a small town. It wasn't Boston. Well, it was the Boston Tea Party, wasn't it? Was yeah, but that wasn't... That wasn't well, it's, uh, we might be being semantics, but I'm thinking first battle. Somebody will let me know. Somebody oh, was who's it, in Mixler... Was it Bull Run? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, well, somebody in Mixler who's American will know. Can you can you let me know? Because I'm curious now. No, anyway, he says, I actually live in the town where the revolution started, so I guess we're virtually cousins. 
Yes, if you were on our side. Anyway, I was thrilled to find out... Uh, the, the, sorry, I was thrilled to find an outlet where I can obtain commentary and analysis from your side of the Atlantic concerning Blues matches, news, rumours and the like. Um... Chelsea Fancast has vaulted to the top of my weekly must-listens, and I wanted to assure you that your efforts do not go unappreciated. With respect to Chelsea's recent visit to Boston, I, of course, took the opportunity to attend the match. It was their first visit to New England since 2005, after all. I sat about ten rows behind the Chelsea bench, and a couple of things stood out. One. First, given that the match was little more than a glorified exhibition, I was shocked at just how animated Sarri was throughout the 90 minutes. Uh, he was he was constantly out of his seat, gesticulating wildly, screaming at his players. You would have thought it was a cup final, with players going at three-quarter speed. I actually felt a bit bad for him, as he clearly has no off switch. Once the game played a certain way, what that way is, I must admit, I haven't the foggiest. And is disgusted by any player who doesn't do exactly what he wants when he wants. Uh, sorry, when he wants it. I share your apathy about whether Sarri... Uh, ah, I've got Joe. Joe, you legend. Joe has come in. Lexington Concord. I don't know. It flashed by. I wasn't sure whether it was Joe or, or Dean who I, I revealed the answer. The flow. Lexington, Massachusetts. Yeah, it's just. I'm oh no, no, no. This this qualifies as breaking news, Joe. So uh, no worries. <laughs> but but well done for being tactful. Yeah, Lexington. There you go. We, I and now know. Concord. I feel for that. And Concord. Okay. All right. Good on you. I think I might have even been there. Anyway, um, where was I? Yes, I share your apathy about whether Sarri stays or goes, but there was something just sad about seeing him wildly chewing on cigarettes, all the while uh, uh, spewing venom to all players who aren't abiding by a script. One of the men... Uh, two, sorry. I'm reading this appallingly. I'm, I am sorry, Joe. Two, one of the many, many uh, highlights of your podcast since the January transfer window has been listening to J.K. Screeds about Higuain. He certainly has looked poor in the televised matches I've seen, and I was curious to see him in person. After doing so, I can now say that the old adage that television adds £10 is, in fact, untrue. Uh, I would imagine it adds more. Uh, going into the match, I told my friend that... The, this is three, by the way. Going into the match, I told my friend that the only thing I feared was a player sustaining an injury during the friendly. Upon arriving at the stadium, I was heartened to see that the artificial playing surface that had been covered with sod earth when i got closer to the pitch however i must admit that it looked like a poorly maintained municipal golf course and prayed only that the club would be returning to england fully fit when loftus cheek went down my heart sank it was as if i'd been allowed to borrow my friend's new porsche only to return it full of scratches dents and a missing headlight i only hope that his rehab goes well and we see him in 2020 better than ever Four. Finally, it may sound trite, but the primary reason I went to the match was the opportunity to see Hazard play in person just one time. Frankly, Eden didn't do a heck of a lot during the game. If anything, he was most frequently yelled. He was the most frequently yelled at player by Sarri for being out of position, and even generously graded his effort level just barely matched the three-quarter effort put forth by his teammates. Still, it was enjoyable to see the occasional burst of speed and the ease with which he can put defenders on the wrong foot. He will be missed, but the memories he has left us with will never be forgotten. Anyway, my apologies for the opus and best wishes to you during the off-season, Joe M. Uh, Joe, I mean, I, I say this many, many times and I don't say it with any ma any malice at all, but I've, I've long said that I feel very sorry for uh, American supporters who just look so joyful when Chelsea go to your manor and play a match but you get absolutely ripped off because they charge you a fortune to go and you know half the time they play reserves and they just don't give a shit because it's not a competitive match 
And I really feel for you. The reality is, I'm afraid, if you want to see a competitive match, you need to come over here and, and watch a match here and, and enjoy the whole match day experience. But there you go. Hopefully one day you will. We'll see you and we'll buy you a beer. Lovely stuff. Jonathan. It's interesting, Church, by the way, just to, to, to uh, hear him mentioning about the, the, the plastic pitch being covered in turf, which was exactly what I heard. And we got involved in a slight... Um, uh, contretemps on the internet with somebody we did didn't we we did uh, yeah objecting uh, we're using the word bs as to what i'd said yeah i think he was rather kind of defensive about his american uh jewel in the crown frankly i think he was a trump easter yes there was a touch of that because this is exactly what i heard was that they just they, it looked like a, a a park pitch and that was one of the reasons that he got his studs stuck in the ground but let's not um let's not uh carry on with that um with that situation. Anyway, this is number five. This is from Kunli Anjurin. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, guys. Long time no speak. It's your long lost Nigerian in New York. In summary, we would have been happy if we were told last season that we got to third place in two cup finals. Unfortunately, our eyes witnessed the season in slow motion. Yes, that's very well observed. Sari had multiple chances to show tactical quality and change plans to get better results than we did. So we're holding him to a higher bar. We may be called greedy, but he has to show promise of ability to adapt during matches and situations when things go wrong. The club is 25 points behind City and Liverpool. Enough said. Best of luck in Baku. Cheers. Kunle Anjurin. Yeah, good points. Good points. I love that. Witness the season in slow motion. Yeah. Yeah. He absolutely nailed that. Good to hear from Kunle. Kunle is an old mate of ours, so how lovely to hear from you. Uh, right, this is another one that found its way to me via Patreon, uh, just to prove that I am totally biased and I will read anything out that people put on Patreon. But this is from the lovely Andy Ike. And again, as in as with Joe M, Andy, uh, thank you very much for, for contributing to Patreon. It's very much appreciated. He says, hey, Chidge, hope you're well. The top article on ESPN FC this morning was titled Chelsea Fans Slam Club over UEL Final Fiasco. And lo and behold, you were the quoted source. I read it and I was like, I know that guy. Getting to have quite the well-deserved celebrity status finally. Ha ha, cheers, big thumbs up. What do you mean finally? Dearie me, I don't know how to take that. No, I mean, to be fair, actually, um, the the most important thing was that um, really it was a... um, a big statement uh, on behalf of the Chelsea Supporters Trust and uh, and very important that it got out there. Uh, and, of course, because my head is above the parapet, I do tend to get interviewed a lot by a lot of media. Although, uh, I have to say, I'm kind of, um, you know, kind of stepping back a little bit from the media because I'm not really... Ava- I mean, I used to be in London all the time, so it was very easy to go and poke my ugly mug in front of a camera or into somebody's uh, mic. But it's a bit harder for me to do it now because I'm down in Winchester all the time. By the way, Jonathan, are you on Talk Sport tonight? I am. Hallelujah. Yeah. I've got to leave in uh, five minutes ago. Right, OK. No, 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 hurry no, up that's then, not mate. true. I'm leaving at 10.15 to get there for uh, quarter two. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. All right. Yeah, by the way, Jonathan is on with uh, not not Cundy tonight because he's in Baku. Uh but definitely Andy Goldstein, uh, and uh, he'll be on TalkSport on the Sports Bar at 11 o'clock. And that's precisely why, because actually Billy, one word Billy, bless his heart, who's a Chelsea fan and does all the booking for the Sports Bar, he kind of he, he messaged you and me at the same time, apparently, uh, which is very smart of him. And I did say, well, look, I, I just can't do it, old Bean, because I'm, 
I'm down here. But I said, if you've texted Jonathan, then... Uh, yes, thank you. Yes, because he, yeah. he stuck it on WhatsApp and I didn't look at WhatsApp. I tend not to. Right. Then Andrew texted me. And so oh. uh, and so I just replied saying, yeah, that's great. I can do it. So I'm going... Well, there you go. Thank, there you go. Thanks for passing it on. No, no, not at all. As I said, I don't think I, I didn't really. I think Billy got your name from the last time I couldn't do it. And, and I think he's now got you on the book. So Fabulous. expect to hear more of Jonathan on the sports bar. Anyway, uh, got another email. Uh, this is my email of the week, by the way. And it is from Jesse from Houston. Jesse from Houston, Texas, the big country. He says, hello, lads. Where do I begin? I became a Chelsea fan the first day I watched them on the telly. I'll never forget the day. Uh, it was Sunday, the uh, 23rd of March, 2008, and I was looking for something to watch when suddenly I came across a football match between our boys in blue and the Gooners from North London. It immediately got my attention. I was new to football or soccer. Uh, my brother-in-law had just gotten me to play indoor soccer with him, and I immediately loved the sport. And also, I'd recently just bought FIFA for PlayStation, and the first team available to pick from was, from was a team called Chelsea. I'd never heard of them before, but I saw their rating was five stars, so I began to use them. So when I saw players like Didier, Lamps, Big Pete, Ash ETC live on the telly as opposed to on a video game, I was hooked. In that game, we fell behind 1-0 because of a Sanya header. But of course, King Didier hit the Gooners back, as he always did, for a brace, and we won 2-1. I'd officially found a team. I found myself constantly looking weeks ahead on the TV schedule to see when I could watch my favourite team. I quickly learned that you guys are six hours ahead of us here in Houston and that lunchtime kickoffs meant waking up at 6am to watch my boys, but it was worth it. I could honestly say that I loved my beloved Chelsea Blues. Uh, soon, I found a local supporters club here in Houston called the Bayou City Blues. Great bunch of people, the Bayou City Blues. We know them well. Uh, that would gather to watch Chelsea and when possible, I would go to the pub to watch them with other fellow supporters. The next preseason, Chelsea came over to the States in 2009. Jesse, I was uh, there in 2009. I went to see Chelsea play Inter Milan in LA, in Pasadena, the Rose Bowl. Anyway, so there you go. And so I made the four-hour drive to Dallas to go see my boys, and I loved every moment of that preseason game. I've been a Chelsea supporter ever since, and I can honestly say that Chelsea has quickly jumped to the top of my teams list, including teams from America that I grew up watching. I can't explain it, but I felt a different joy and excitement when we won the Champions League in 2012 than when any of my other teams from here in the States have won a championship. I've tried to explain it to other people who think I'm crazy when I tell them that no, I won't be watching the Houston Texans NFL team game on Sunday because I have to watch the Chelsea game first. I can honestly say it's passion and yes, it's love. I love my team. I love Chelsea. I'm thousands of miles away from Stamford Bridge, but my heart is there with my boys at SW6. Thank you, Chidge, JK, Clayton, and all the other lads that do the podcast. I can honestly say that I've been listening to you guys for nine plus years now. I'm planning my first ever trip to London sometime next season, and of course, plan to catch a Chelsea game. Hopefully, we can catch up at a pub before a game and have a beer. Up the Chelsea, keep the blue flag flying high. Jesse from Houston. Well, you see, Joe and Dean, you know, the, these kind of emails are like manna from heaven for me and Jonathan because that it just epitomizes, you know, what, 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 I mean, you know, it, there's a lot of crap talked in, in Twitter, particularly about this, but this show in particular has been making friends with people all around the world for 11 years. And you get an email like that. And for me, uh, Joe, that absolutely underpins it. Yeah. I mean, this, uh, this is probably one of my favourite bits of being on the podcast, actually, is seeing, you know, particularly this season, the amount of, uh, I don't want to call them like origin stories, but how, how kind of people came to, 
he supports Chelsea from from overseas, and, and you know, sort of the passion and just the, the they they get it. You know, I mean, it's such a sort of cliche thing to say, but you know, you don't necessarily have to go to games all the time to sort of understand stuff. I think you can get a connection with with a team. I, again, I mean, I. No, if, you, if you're watching that sort of Chelsea team that he sort of fell in love with, I and mean, it's quite easy to fall in love with the players that we had at that point in time. So, you know, you just reel the players off there. Drogba, Lampard, Czech, Cole, Terry. I mean, it's it's really easy to fall in love with the club. But, you know, it becomes a lifelong passion. You know, we, we, we're we all friends with the guys from London is Blue and the pilgrimages that they make to Chelsea now. So, you know, it's becoming a, it's becoming a global game. And, you know, when you have fans with this sort of connection to the club and, and the sort of the same feeling that you have, you know, then I don't think there's any, for me, there's, there's no contention with it. And I think one of the, the interesting things is, is that he, he said he's a Houston Texans fan and, and their biggest player, JJ Watt, is a, he's also a massive Chelsea fan. So that must be, uh, must be something there as well. There we go. I didn't know that. Uh, you know, Dean, it, this, it just shows you, doesn't it, that this is a million miles away from what we have to put up with on Twitter every day, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it's, um, Twitter is a different world really, isn't it, to, to what actually goes on, what people actually think and feel about the club, and um, it's easy to get caught up in what we see on the yeah. Um, yeah, totally like right, mate. Worth it. Totally right, mate. Now, Jonathan, I'm a dick because that was your email to read out, but uh, I'll give you my last one. How does that sound? That's very nice of you. Thank you. From Oshi, can I just um, second, third, and fourth all that? Mm, it's about totally um, the. Um, the ridiculousness of saying that, that people who don't come to the games aren't proper fans is just, uh, I mean, you know, it goes out saying it's absurd. Yeah. You get the wonderful joy of people watching from abroad and making the effort uh, is is unbelievably praiseworthy. It's just brilliant. And the you can you feel it in the emails coming across and the how they've, as you say, um, Joe, how they've discovered the club. It's uh it's it's brilliant. This the the, the source of their uh, becoming Chelsea supporters, and and it's one aspect that I think the um, the club possibly does go over the top for. But nonetheless, it it it, it, it they're rewarded by their passion by uh, by by trying to get to see a match which is nearer to them. And it may be meaningless, but it does mean significant amounts to uh, to people who can't get to the games to watch them. So uh, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Anyway, here we go. This is Oshi, Oshi Corbett. Hi, Chidge et al. Who's al? <laughs> no, yes. Sorry. Oshi here, Chelsea fan from Wiltshire. I'm a recent uni grad, taking a bit of time off to travel around till I settle down and find a job, hopefully in London, so I can get to more games. Absolutely love the show. Been listening for about three years now. Rarely miss an episode. I write in, I'm afraid, not with a nugget of wit and wisdom, but with a favour. I currently find myself in Wellington, New Zealand, and since being here, I haven't yet found a pub where Chelsea fans congregate to watch games. I've survived up to now watching on my laptop at stupid o'clock at night, but would love to meet up with some fellow Blues fans for the final this week. And after a couple of fruitless internet searches, I thought I'd contact the podfather himself. Church. I remember a chap from Wellington writing into the show a couple of weeks ago. So I thought I'd ask you a huge favour. Would you either be able to contact him and ask if indeed there is a place where Chelsea fans get together here to watch games? Or if it's easier, pass on to me his details so I can ask directly. Sorry for the late notice, but I thought it was worth a try asking you. Thanks in advance for any help you may be able to offer. Sorry, this isn't really an email full of intrigue and debate to be read out on the show, more of a hopeful request, but I promise I'll write 
proper listener friendly one next season as if this season is anything to go by there will be plenty to write about even if you can't help this is a great opportunity for me to say how much i enjoy listening to the fancast and may i thank you kido and each and every one of your brilliant guests for the extraordinary time and effort you all put into making the show every week for us lucky listeners you make it sound so easy but i'm sure it's not no it's not it's not oshi Chid beats me. Best wishes to you all, Oshi Corbett. It's true, Oshi, I do. I punch him in the face regularly. It's the only way to keep him in order and shut him up, to be frank, but there you go. Um, great email, Oshi, actually. And I, it's Gareth Bloomfield that emailed us. He may be the person you're talking about from Wellington. Um, I'm sure he won't mind me putting you in touch with him. But I also, there's a very old friend of ours who uh, lives in uh, New Zealand, Mark Harrington, who quite often writes in, but also... Uh, pops over to the bridge occasionally he's an expat uh, I'm not sure if he's in Wellington though. I have a feeling he might be in Auckland uh, and there are others too there's plenty of people in New Zealand who, who listen to the show and have done for years so uh, I, I will pass your email on. I know because you need to find somewhere tomorrow so I'll pass your email on to Gareth and hopefully you two can hook up because as you said much more fun to watch it uh, uh, you know with other people in a pub or whatever than it is to be on your own uh, I am sadly uh, confined to the safety of my padded cell tomorrow to watch the match. No point going out to watch it in a pub in Winchester, frankly. Uh, it'll just make me want to punch people, so probably safer that I stay at home and watch it on my telly. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for all the emails this week. As, as we say every week, they're brilliant. They get better and better and better, uh, and we do love getting them from you. So, uh, And we'll always read them out, as you know. So if you want to email us, send it to chelseafancast at gmail.com and uh, do try and get them in uh, by Monday morning at the absolute latest now very sadly uh, that is all we've got time for tonight we'll be back next Monday the 3rd of June to review the Europa League final against Arsenal and also give a great big massive review of the season hopefully Chelsea will have added to their collection of European trophies by then if not there will be trouble uh, I'll be joined by Jonathan and Liam Toomey, the wonderful Liam Toomey, who is actually out in Baku covering it for ESPN. And I think Alex Churchill's on the roster for next Monday as well. Uh, but before that, don't forget to tune into the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio between 7 o'clock and 9 p.m. No, I'm lying. It's 8 and 9 uh, this Friday. Uh, join me, Jonathan and Johnny Burrow, as we look back at the Europa Cup final against Arsenal. And, of course, join in the show. Debate with us live. The number to call is 0208 70 20 558 and uh, you can get Love Sport Radio on 558am, the uh, the DAB digital channels, uh, radio player, tune in or lovesportradio.com and of course as with all of our shows it's available as a podcast shortly afterward uh, on chelseafancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify as well as other good podcast distributors and some rubbish ones. So there you go. Uh, and finally, you can follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chiz, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Joe at Joe Tweedy, Dean at Dean Mears, and of course, check out the website, ChelseaFanCast.com. Many thanks to all the bloggers for their regular content going up during the week, such as uh, Alex at CFCGWLB, Nick Stroudley at Nick Stroudley, uh, Jonathan Ellis at Clitheroe Blue. Uh, Dean, of course, as you know, writes there. He's got one up today. Give it a read. Uh, at CFC Nicholas, at Tosser of Coin, at Tom Got 95 at John Topier. And, of course, the other fan cast as regulars are to be found on Twitter, at Gate17Marco, at Liam to- uh, underscore Toomey, at DanSilv73, Clayton at Goldie59, uh, Tony at GrocerJackUK, and, of course, Ollie at OJ Harbord. Right, uh, time to go home for a lie down. Uh, big, big day tomorrow. Uh, 
Dean, uh, how has your first uh, first fan cast gone tonight? Yeah, really enjoyed it. Great to be on with you know Jonathan, yourself, and Joe. Um, yeah, well, loved it. Well done, Dean. You've been great. Well done, mate. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I think I think well, Jonathan, uh, you know, is the is the kind of manager. Uh, you know, you're the you're the uh, either the assistant coach or the sporting director. I'm not sure yet, but uh, maybe both. Uh, but I think that's a, a solid deep. You are. Let's get him back. Yeah, solid debut, mate. I think maybe he'll 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 do a few starts next season. What do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure he gets more minutes than most of the youth did under Sarri this season. That's only a joke. It's only a joke, honestly, Saristas. It's only a joke. Uh, but well done, Dean. You've been brilliant tonight. Really enjoyed your company. Now, as for you, uh, young man, Mr. Tweedy, uh, you, as always, have been a superstar. And I think, you know, just to say, because we're kind of at the end of the season now, just thank you so, so much for, uh, you know, getting back into the fold with us this season. You've really enriched uh, the quality of the podcast this season. We love having you on. Your knowledge is so superb. So thank you very much, mate. Thank you so much for the season. Yeah, no problem, Chidi. It's been, uh, it's been fun despite the... Uh the season it's been uh, it's been fun on the fan cast so yeah happy to uh, to be back next season as well lovely and uh, make sure you get over to the bridge and we'll have a yes, beer mate yeah. uh, you know I, I know Denmark's a lovely place but we miss you so it'd be nice to see you for a match and a beer so uh, hopefully I shall speak to you very soon and uh, last but by no means least Mr Kidd wonderful stuff as always I'll see you Friday looking forward to it may I say how, how uh, brilliant Joe has been all the time he's been on it's, uh, it's yeah. a joy listening to you Joe well done brilliant stuff. thank you Jonathan appreciate it yeah, problem. Good, yeah. thank you. Very see lucky you, to see have you Friday, Chidge. I'll be there. Yeah, Eight o'clock. good stuff. Yep. Yeah, have an hour. Uh, good we'll stuff. Time it all in in the hour. We can do it. We we'll have will to speak twice twice as quickly as we normally. Do. Ex- exactly that. Yeah, we. I'll see you on Friday now. Um, good luck, everybody, for uh, tomorrow night. I mean, you know, it might not feel like it, or might not seem like it, but we're in a European final tomorrow. Yes. Against a team that we cannot stand, against fans we cannot stand. This is huge. Mm-hmm. Do not do not underestimate this. So you know, put all your good vibes uh, into tomorrow night's match. Let's hope the Chelsea can pull it off and uh, bring home another European trophy and uh, destroy Arsenal's dreams. That's what football is all about in my book. Uh, so there we go. Great stuff. Thank you all the Mixler people who've been listening all season. We love you like you wouldn't believe. You've been fantastic. So thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Up the Chelsea! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.